Fault Lines. Live from the divided states of America, sitting atop the transmission tower of truth, taking down hypocrisy one lie at a time. My trolls call me Moscow Mary, but I'm your pierogi princess, journalist extraordinaire, American Farron Franzak. And in the left corner, I'm your indefatigable, your ever vigilant, your burning ember in the darkness, your political analyst, Jamaral Thomas. Which means you're listening to Fault Lines with Thomas and Franzak. What's up, Franzak? Oh, feeling much better. Thank you to everybody who was so sweet yesterday sending me thoughts and condolences and Uh all that, hoping that I get better. I appreciate that. That's so nice. But yeah. Because people did say, it was like, where's Farron? Where's the pierogi princess? Yeah. Get rid of her already? It's like, oh, no, we didn't get rid of Farron already. Because, you know, we have the... I love that's always the first joke. Yeah, that's always the first joke. Because we've had so many um, hosts that have just kind of rambled through. And then they always blame me. stay, baby. Get used to it. Yeah. Then they're going to blame me. They'll be like... Oh, is he just a difficult personality to work with? Uh-huh. But all of the hosts just keep coming in and come keep uh, going out. Yes, but I <laughs> no. But I was I was telling Jamal yesterday I had to go to CVS because I had to get a prescription filled because I was in a lot of pain yesterday. And um, I go there and I look at this one specific aisle. Ladies, you know what aisle it is. We have to go there about once a month if we run out. Completely bare, like aspirin. all of the shelves. Did you say aspirin? Aspirin now, aspirin. Oh, aspirin? Oh, yeah, is that the ass cream? No, no, like, no. No, <laughs> well, we don't need that. That is an owl also, but not exactly what. <laughs> I don't know what, what you is, need once a month. What is the owl? Um, if you want to share. Oh, no, okay. What, ladies, when we have to go get tampons, right? Okay. Uh, completely. Uh, uh, by the way, I work with the sh- on a show with all men, so I can see them all in the in the control room, just like, ugh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 Hi, guys. First of all, I'm fascinated by these type of conversations. I think this is great. Well, yeah. Well, so you went you, there. You grew up with a single mom, yeah. right? So, yeah, you're used to it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Your mom would be just like, like shut hey, up. Deal don't with give it. me some, you know, yeah. Yeah, extra extra wide pads or something like that. Yeah. Was, <laughs> what's the, um, <laughs> what's, oh, boy. It's like the extra large wings. Yeah. Gotta, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> no, what's the, what, they are wings, right? They call them the wings? Uh, I, you know, I, I don't wear them, so, but I, oh, I think, sure, enough. yeah. Fair enough. It's like, I'm aware of those things intentionally. Yeah. But basically, short Jamarl is, is a bachelor in waiting. He's going to be amazing for you. Whatever you're like, can you go out and get me some? He'll be like, wings or no wings. This I, I, am, I am very good <laughs> at female issues and stuff like that. I, I am an expert at it. Like I said, I was oh, raised God. with a family of women. Um, uh-huh. There weren't too many men in the family. At the very least, they weren't all that dominant. Um, so, yeah. So I got my but education yeah, on this. Either way, the shelves, ladies, I had to order them from Amazon to get there the same day. And mind you, the CVS is like right on the corner from my apartment. Or, yeah, where my condo's at. And, um, yeah, like, nothing. You got to pay for your values, Farron. Yeah. I mean, and not even that. There was there was other stuff, like the bandages, bare. Yeah. Um, gauze, bare. I was like, this is not good. I mean, look. Not good. Protecting Ukraine and making sure it's in the United States orbit is worth you not having the tampons that you need. I mean, if that means you need to get the generic brand. No, th- th- it wasn't even there. Oh, not, not even, even the generic, generic brand. No, I'm. There was not a box there. You know when and I, I went, was like, "What the hell is going on?" I went for what did I go for? I don't. Oh, I know what it was. My wife at the time, my ex, she was having diabetes issues, mm-hmm. and we needed to get like all of these things for um, sugar, blood sugar, and everything else. CVS empty. They didn't have squat. I had to do the same thing. I had to go online in order to order it. The shelves in that section were basically empty. 
So it's like these supply chain breaks that preceded all of meaning because we're just coming out of COVID and the supply chain breaks and everything else was basically going in line with COVID. And now this. Now this. Yeah. It's so, only going to get worse. It's not good, folks. But let's see what else is happening around the world that's, you know, going to be <laughs> really fun to deal with today. In your national news, special counsel John Durham published evidence Monday night indicating that former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman allegedly lied to the FBI in writing that his Trump-Russia research had not been made for any client. Sussman allegedly wrote to FBI General Counsel James Baker on September 18th, back in 2016, as quoted by Durham in his latest court filing. Quote, do you have availability for a short meeting tomorrow? I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or company. Want to help the Bureau? Thanks. Wow. Russian disinformation, though, right? Russian disinformation, my foot. They locked their account. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 16 days. Mm Mm-hmm. The U.S. Senate passed a Lend-Lease bill on Wednesday that would provide Ukraine with weapons and supplies in their fight against the Russian military. Quote, the bill temporarily waives certain requirements related to the president's authority to lend their or lease defense articles if the defense articles are intended for Ukraine's government and necessary to protect civilians in Ukraine from the Russian military invasion, the document summary says. This one I like. Texas will send illegal immigrants to the U.S. Capitol by bus so that the Biden administration can deal with the influx in the United States as a result of its open border policy, Texas Governor Greg Abbott said on Wednesday. Ha <laughs> ha, we'll bust him over, you deal with him. <laughs> Gotta love it. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said Tuesday that the administration is sticking to its assertion that President Joe Biden never spoke to his son Hunter Biden about his overseas business deals. In 2019, then former Vice President Biden claimed that he never talked to his son about his business dealings. We're going to have the exchange between her and Peter Ducey. We want to cue that up, Uncle Andre. Um, Continuing, a, south, a southeastern Pennsylvania Transportation Authority transit officer and two civilians have reportedly been shot on in Philadelphia. The gunman is reportedly dead after firing shots from the third story of a building towards the street. The transit officer is in critical but stable condition. The two civilians were residents of the building where the gunman hold, were, was holed up and are reported to be in stable condition at Temple University Hospital. The identities of the victims have not been released. In your international news, Wednesday, the U.S. slapped new sanctions on Russia, targeting Russian banks and politicians and banning new investments into the country. This latest round of sanctions comes in response to allegations that the Russian military carried out max executions during their withdrawal from the city of Bucha near Kiev. The New York Times Wednesday reported that it had verified an online video that shows a group of Ukrainian soldiers killing captured Russian troops in the vicinity of Bucha near the capital of Kiev. The video was posted Monday and depicts a killing of a wounded Russian soldier who was still breathing before he was shot three times. There are at least three more killed Russian soldiers with their hands tied behind their backs and white bands on their arms surrounded by bloodstains. In pop culture news, rapper Cardi B recently opted to delete her Twitter account after getting into a heated exchange with her, quote, dumb followers over her decision to not attend the 2022 rendition of the Grammy Awards. Quote, when did I hype y'all up? Where and when did I ever gave hints? 
Like, are you okay? I'm not going to an award if I didn't get a new song or perform or my album ain't over next year or ain't out next year. I'm never reading that news story again. <laughs> it is painful to read, right? Like the, the wording. It's don't so know. Yeah. In your business news, the American economy might face a recession by the end of the next year because of the Federal Reserve's decision to raise interest rates. Deutsche Bank economists have forecasted in their over-the-brink report. The economists expect the Fed to raise the rates by 0.5% for the next three meetings and eventually take it from the present range between 0.25% and 0.5% to 3.5% by the middle of 2023. Here is my crazy story for the day. Jared Leto was so committed to playing a character with chronic pain that he likely became a chronic pain to crew members. Daniel Espinoza, the director of Leto's latest film, Morbius, confirmed that the star, who is totally capable of walking and notorious for being an unnecessarily over-the-top method actor, was pushed to and from the bathroom in a wheelchair every time he needed to relieve himself. Now, Leto plays Morbius, the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe, who essentially turns himself into a vampire when he finds a cure for a rare blood condition that renders him disabled due to this chronic pain. Well, the character actually uses crutches, but since it took Leto so long to get to and from the bathroom on crutches, the crew just decided to wheelchair him over to save time. What a weirdo. (laughs) He's a method actor. He's a method actor. Did you know he's also 50? Realize he was that he's old. He's 50. Looks good for his age. He looks amazing for his age, but I think he's also like the new Marilyn Manson, like or, um, uh, Charles Manson cult-like leader. Did you see? I'll, I'll talk about it after. Let me just get through these. Your holidays today are National Beer Day, National Alcohol Screening Day, to counter that, National Burrito Day, and National No Housework Day. Today in history, the modern Olympics began in Athens in 19, or that was in 1896. In 1909, Um, The first Americans reached the North Pole. In 1933, the low alcoholic beer became legal in the United States, the day subsequently that celebrates National Beer Day. In 1963, we have the start of the Masters today. Jack Nicholas actually won his first Masters victory at 23. In 1969, the internet was born. And just for tomorrow, in 2001, NASA launched the Mars Odyssey spacecraft, which reached Mars later October. Yeah. Those are your headlines for Thursday, April 7th, 2022. Think of how euphoric that is. Like you had these creatures on Earth, apes for all intents and purposes. And these apes at some point developed the capacity to look up at the stars and wonder, is anybody else there? And not just that, use technology in order to build devices, machines and whatnot to go and explore those stars, literally sending a device onto another planet. That is an astonishing feat of humanity. And yeah, I think aliens helped in that. I'm not going to lie. You don't think we could do it on our own? Hell no. Oh, see, I don't have this denigration of humanity. I think humanity could do all sorts of phenomenal things. You're telling me that the pyramids of Giza that completely line up. We're not talking about the pyramids. We're talking about the very specific thing of sending the Mars Odyssey mission. You just said stuff from apes. And I said, I don't think we did it on our own. Yeah, no. What I mean is we were talking specifically about the Mars Odyssey mission. I was saying that us. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) <laughs> Whether it's the pyramids or whatever else. I'm talking about very specifically NASA sending that, that craft to a whole other planet for us to investigate with the potential of actually going one day. I think that's astonishing. I think that's it where is, I, yeah. I, but I also think that we have some aliens to thank for that. 
whenever they came here. Put it this way. I do think we're not alone, clearly. I've thought that for a long time. Um, I do think it goes back for a very long time, so agree with that part. Whether there's interaction, I don't know. I mean, according to the U.S. government, apparently there's all sorts of human UFO interaction that's basically taking place. As I went to the store yesterday, so I'm not going to go back and through it. But that was the DIA report that basically came out uh, by the Sun. In fact, I think that report came out on First Contact Day. I just saw the other thing, too, is I think that there was another, um, well, there was another CIA leak, too. Was it? I just saw it. I saw it on Rumble this morning. I'll have to go back and find what it. What do you think about this? these leaks that are coming out? Like the DIA report that came out basically gets across, look, they somewhat accepted as a foregone conclusion that UFOs were real and that the reports that they were basically reading had all of these physical effects and consequences. Tucker Carlson even did the show last night. And there was a thing, live science. All of these places are basically covering it because it came out of the Defense Intelligence Agency. What are your thoughts on that stuff? I mean, like, I don't know if we've ever had the conversation on UFOs and stuff. Oh, we have, because I remember you told me that you were the designated UFO correspondent. Yes, I am. Um, I use that to pick up women, by the way. Hey, I'm the designated UFO correspondent of Radio Splitting. Are you? Yes, like, I am. like, see you later. <laughs> 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 uh, no, yeah, it was, it was bizarre CIA files released on the lost ancient human civilizations. That was another thing that was released yesterday. Interesting. Um, they know more than what they are saying. That's oh, the hell rub. yeah, they do. And that's, the, that's they open up this Pandora's box, or not, not even Pandora's box. I always call it a mystery box. When the CIA or when all of these guys basically come out and say, hey, there's something else, but we're not going to tell you what it is. Think about what that means. Like, uh, like from what we understand reality to be, there is something else that goes deeper, far deeper than what we understand and know. And yet we kind of just function with it side by side without necessarily knowing what that is. I don't know. I'm, I'm, we're living in a fascinating time. I mean, because under normal circumstances, the world was very solid. It was very clear. This is what we believe. Aliens don't exist. And if you can get rid of anything from this planet, then you're basically stuck with the current reality frame that you basically have going on the planet. What happens when you do add, hey, there's something else here? What does that mean? What does it mean from the standpoint of another civilization? What does it mean from the standpoint of a previous civilization that might have had some kind of automated process? All of that stuff opens up a window into reality that this planet is going to have to reconcile at some point. And so if there is something else, and if that something else is, let's say, an intelligence and everything else, our planet is going to have to come to all sorts of decisions and conclusions um, going forward. And I don't know what that looks like. I mean, it, definitely the nations of the world aren't going to necessarily function with this stuff as individual nations. Like, it's not going to be, okay, the U.S. is engaging this thing by itself. It's going to be a world engaging whatever that something else is. Now, I, I, we are in a very interesting time where we don't quite know what is on the other side of that. Um, I think I think it's one of those things where I, I just love the idea, though, like whenever you watch like the Hollywood movies, like from E.T. to Independence Day to Mars Attacks to, you know, all of those, you know, close encounters of another kind, you know, whatever. It's like all the movies always show like it's always like the president or like the people around them. They're like, we cannot tell the public because the public doesn't think it's going <laughs> right, to right. explode. We can't we can't let the public know. And it was this point, it's like, folks. What we've gone through and the fact that our president is like half dead, which did you see that video of him with Obama? So sad. It's so oh sad. Oh my God. I, guys, I was up laying the Tucker in Carlson bed watching clip. it and I was like, this is the most, the saddest thing I've ever seen. Just to set up, the, just so the audience would know. Um, you know, Obama visited the White House. Wait, wait, hang on, really quick. Back to my point though. The point being is that we have seen way more crazy crap in this world that I think aliens would be like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, this point. They're all like, oh, but the people are going to freak out. You're not- no, I assure you, we're probably actually going to be excited for one, for one fun thing. It's, 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 it's kind of hilarious, but yeah. It's making the world 
it's giving us a question that needs to be answered. And let me tell you, like, Morbidly uh, Obese says Men in Black. That is, like, my father's one of his favorite movies. Is and, it? My, and my dad even says, he's like, this is, he's like, truth is stranger than fiction. He's like, you have all these people, yeah. you know, where, like, the one lady with, with what is it, um, <laughs> Esther or whatever it is, or, um, or, or Earl or whatever, where she's like, Earl, your skin's hanging off your bones. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's, like, my favorite line in Men in Black. Earl, sugar water you know <laughs> but like truthfully like yeah i mean it's super it totally could be like i think men in black totally could be but yeah but back to um the setup of joe biden oh yeah in the white house so with oh, obama right so obama comes to visit and there's the scene where obama is talking to all of these people all of these people that are typically around the president are around joe biden and biden is just wandering Around yeah, he, he ends by himself. The she ends the speech and everybody just kind of disperses and they all, you could see, go, go to around Obama, Obama. Yeah. And he just kind of turns around and looks and nobody cares. And he's just like, who could he's I talk to? He's literally just wandering around, not knowing what to do. Then and, he goes up to Obama and you could see where he tries to like get, he says, Barack, yeah. like you're Puts my Puts his friend. arm on the shoulder. You, nobody you cares. You totally can see that Obama hears him. He's standing right next to Kamala Harris. Doesn't even look over. And then finally, Joe like says his name again and puts his hand on his shoulder and Obama doesn't even flinch. He keeps talking. It's almost like, yep, yep. Just like, like the whole, like the crazy homeless people, just don't give them any eye contact right. and they'll just leave you alone. Pay no attention exactly to the, to the president. And I felt so bad because I was like, you know what? And, and, and I was actually, I, 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 when I was finally feeling better, they had me guest host with um, Lee Stranahan last night. And I said, I was like, you know, part of me thinks it's one of two things. The first one, I think it's that this is such a crap show with Ukraine and all of that. And they know that if they hitch their wagons to him, it's a, they're going to lose an election, whether they're Congress So you're or thinking whatever. they're coming to a conclusion, okay, it's time for we this to be over with. We need to distance ourselves yeah. from this, from this well, invalid, basically. That brings up another issue then. If not him, who? And well, if that uh, were... Hang on. So there's that. Go for it. The other side of it, though, is I think that he realized kind of in that moment, he was just completely used. Yeah. Like they were, they, they knew that he could beat Trump. He did that. And they just got Trump out of the uh, white house. And now it's beat. like, you're, you're, you're good. Thank you. They knew he could beat Bernie. They knew he could beat Bernie. Like meeting, beating Trump. I don't think he could have beaten Bernie. Uh, beating Trump was like, oh yes. But I know what you mean. Beating Trump or beating Sanders was the point. Trump was secondary. I mean, even with Chris Matthews and stuff that he was saying, he was like, Hey, maybe it's better that Trump wins this. Otherwise Sanders is going to change the party for a generation. That it's that that's part. true. It's that's that true. part. But, but they when you bring fundamentally Trump, know he would. I don't think Trump would have have completely ignored him the way that Obama did. I don't think so. You don't think so? Even Trump. I, Trump. Trump is a pit bull when it comes to a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. But I don't think that he is so inhumane to completely ignore him the way that Obama did. It was did. pretty brutal. I mean, like Biden Again, was he wondering. Didn't, he didn't even look over and look back. Yeah, he didn't he even acknowledge completely. Him. A guy's hand is on your shoulder. Human instinct is to look over like, and see who it is. Rock. He heard him say his name. He felt his shoulder. Didn't even look over. Yeah. His focus even turned even more away from him. Well, look, um, you could be right. Um, I think at this point, I think what it is, he is so low in the polling. So much is going wrong that he doesn't have this kind of gravitas, this kind of popularity that you would expect that would bring those people in where they would have a political incentive to be around them. And to your point, they may know this isn't working. Like, this isn't going well. I mean, for example— And they don't want their wagons hitched to him. Exactly. Like those idiots in Europe. I mean, for the most part, what they, I think, realize is that Biden, for one, they're going to get slaughtered in the 
midterms. I think they know that. I think they're aware of that. They can say whatever they want. But on top of that, there's going to be a political upheaval with all of the inflation, with the gas price hikes, with the food price hikes. All of that stuff is going to cause all sorts of problems. I mean, he can make that speech. Putin needs to be taken out of office. Reality is when the public gets hit with this stuff, they're going to blame him. They may say, okay, Putin has something to deal with and everything else. But at the end of the day, the buck stopped with the president of the United States. And that's where it's going to fall. And as I was making the point to the people yesterday, Biden is president. Don't blame Manchin. Don't blame cinema. Biden is president. When Biden was running, did he have a plan to get those things accomplished? When he said, oh, $15 an hour minimum wage. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a, a, a public option health care. Did he know or have an idea on how to get those things passed? And if so, was Biden lying about those things? I mean, like, that stuff needs to be engaged. It's very easy for people to blame cinema and mansion and act as if, oh, they shouldn't be considered Democrats. Nonsense. Your president was the president. Did he know that and there's, stuff? And there's a thing called an executive order. But I think there's also another thing here of why he was ignored. But I think first we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you the next reason why I think that they're all ignoring him. Because it could be something to do... With little Hunty Biden. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Rumble.com slash fault lines. Hit that rumble button. Share it to your mama, your daddy, your cat, your dog, your hamster, everybody that you know. 283 in the chat. Let us know where you're tuning in from. Rumble.com slash fault lines. We are back in two minutes. Fault lines. Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines. I'm Farron Franzak, sitting alongside my co-host, Jamarl Thomas. Jamarl, we'll get to Biden in, in the next hour. That was a quick little, that's what we call a tease. Uh, Jamarl, what's your fault today? My fault, and I'm going to ask this question again. How much, how much is Ukraine worth? Now, uh, I keep apparently asking, an Isle of Tampons. Well, yeah, Isle of Tampons, apparently um, um, blood sugar products. And yeah, famines, apparently. And I was looking at The Economist right here. This is coming out fatherly. You will need $5,200 more this year to live the exact same life. Now, again, this is not even the sanctions that have been priced in. This is just what was going up into the point with COVID and everything else. Again, average American living their life, playing their Xbox, going to their job, just trying to live their life. How much is it worth to them? Jen Psaki saying that they got to pay for their values. Whose values are these? You've basically, whatever you want to believe about this particular conflict, do you believe that we should have been screwing around over there and tweaking um, the bear in this particular way? Do you think we should have knocked over the government of Ukraine? Do you think we should have put in a pepper regime? Do you think we should have pushed Zelensky to fulfill the Minsk agreements? Do you think NATO should have expanded 13 nations? And would the United States tolerate a similar situation? Should Cuba, independent state, been allowed to allow, allow weapons from Russia into the country. The reason I'm asking this is because the situation flipped on its head again. We completely ignore that. And the reason why I'm asking you this is this is blowing back on us. This is having real world consequences for us. $5,200 more this year to live the exact same life. And by the way, again, has not been priced in yet from the standpoint of the events that are taking place in Ukraine. That is only going to get worse. And then to make that issue worse, we have Washington Post saying the quiet part out loud right here. Even a Ukrainian vow to not join NATO, a concession that Zelensky has floated publicly, could be a concern to some neighbors that lead to an awkward reality from some in NATO. It is better for Ukrainians to keep fighting and dying than to achieve a peace 
that comes too early or at too high a cost for Kiev and the rest of Europe. So wait, we are paying through the nose for this. And these guys are basically saying we need to fight to the last dead Ukrainian to bleed the Russian military white. That's what we need to do. And then to just cover that stuff with a certain degree of propaganda. To make matters worse, we're even running out of weapons right here. But these commitments threaten to deplete the existing supplies of some munitions, according to John Schaus of the Center for Strategic and International Studies think tank. Under recent decisions, the United States would deliver about 4,600 Javelin anti-tank missiles to Ukraine, the White House says. This would account for more than half of the 8,885 Javelin missiles the Defense Department bought in the last 10 years. Ukraine's ambassador to Britain, Vadim Pristakko, warned last week that its current supply of arms will run out soon as their forces are burning through the supplies at a rapid rate. Burning through is one way to say it. Those supplies being destroyed is another way to put it. This is a, <laughs> this is funny. This is, well, funny is not the word for it, but this has to do with the equipment that these guys have. Helicopters from the standpoint of Ukraine, 100%. Loss, UAVs, 100% loss, aircraft, 95% loss, tanks, 91% loss, air defense systems, 56% loss. From the Russian standpoint, those numbers don't even go above 20% for any of those items. Talk about who's winning versus who's losing. And before you say, oh, that's Russian propaganda, this is coming from 20-year anchoring on CNBC and NBC News. Do you realize that this narrative that Ukraine is winning is so ensconced in the American public that when this guy from CNBC News put this out, they said, oh, that's a Russian propaganda, Russian propaganda, because in their heads, they've gotten so contorted in regards to what's real and what's reality. The point that I'm making here is how much is Ukraine worth? And these guys are basically trying to fight to the last dead Ukrainian. Is that what you as an American or as a European citizen want? And is it worth that to you? That is an important question, meaning that is not a modest point to make. If you're paying $5,000 more, and again, that's even before this war has been priced in, Europe is looking at 10% inflation just on the, it's, uh, the sanctions package alone, just on that alone. You're going into Spain, into Germany. Germany has come out and saying their industry would collapse without Russian gas. And yet these guys are still digging a ditch. Janet Yellen was talking about a potential um, recession in this country. Again, how much you average American? doing your job, playing your Xbox, having sex with some random woman that you got um, on the street the other day from Starbucks. Well, how much is it worth to you for your country to be involved in these foreign geopolitical escapades, especially when that stuff is going to come back and hit you squarely in your wallet? And whereas Jen Psaki is willing to pay for her values in very specific terms, um, what about the other part of the American public? Half of the American public. To, to put it that much more apt, 50% or 60% of the American public don't have $500 in the bank in case of a major bill. If I remember correctly, listen to Richard Wolf, half of the working public has gone through some level of governmental assistance over the last several years. That is the status that we are in. And we are shipping hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine. Put that in perspective. How much is it worth? And it's not just worth from a standpoint of the $15 minimum wage you're not going to get, the legalization of marijuana that you're not going to get, the um, public option that you're not going to get. Instead, that money is going abroad. And not just your money is going abroad. The money that you're going to have to put out of your pocket is going to dramatically increase as a result of these guys' geopolitical escapades. They could try to cover it with all the propaganda in the world. Their culpability is clear as day. And you, as the American public, and as the European public, will be the ones that come out of your pockets to pay for their values. Joe Biden um, can 
make this kind of shock and awe assessments all he wants. He can even say that Putin should leave. At the end of the day, he is the one with the low polling ratings. In Europe, they are going to get hit with that. And the political consequences of that will be clear. But we'll see. Theron, how much is Ukraine worth to you? And that, what I mean by that is, how much is it worth to you to keep Ukraine in the U.S. orbit? And is it worth $5,200 a month or maybe even higher going forward considering? Well, I'll tell you, for many working American families who um, <laughs> are already in, in, are already below sea level um, because of COVID, and they're still trying to make up for that, um, you know, you look at, you know, people filing their tax returns, um, which again, I owe oh, $50 to the federal government. I don't need to give you any more money. The amount of money that you've given out to Ukraine, the amount that you've given out now, 20 million to Moldova. It's like, are, are we going to just fund Europe? And, and I, th I think about it and, you know, I'm actually going to talk about this um, in my monologue, but it's on the very, there's the macro and then there's the micro, as AOC says, which I saw her again yesterday in her Did Tesla. You? I almost kicked the door in. Um, <laughs> but in the micro level, you see in Chicago, where it's all of these people have come in and they, they give you promise after promise after promise after promise, and they do not deliver. You know, you had uh, Hillary Clinton the other day on MSNBC saying how, you know, the Democrats just need to work on their messaging. No, you need to work on your actions and, and you need to fix that boppity boo 1950s haircut, Hillary Clinton. Have you seen it where it's like flipped up and it's just, it looks weird. That's her power cut. No, it's not a power cut. <laughs> it's like a weird 50s doo-wop, like get back in the kitchen type of haircut. It's super weird. <laughs> what is um, it? Get back in the kitchen. Yeah, no, that's, Barefoot yeah. Barefoot pregnant like, haircut. Yeah, like, I, while you were out working all day, I came, I made you muffins all day. And the kids are up to sleep, drugged up and, and, and quiet, just so that you, husband, are okay. Like, it's like that kind of a haircut. Um, I digress, <laughs> but I always digress. But yeah, I just think it's one of these things where, it's, it's, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. I'm sorry. Like, who, first of all, this whole policeman of the world idea, I think our generation's sick of it. A lot of people below us are sick of it. Um, and then you have it, though, where the White House is going to now start working, like, with TikTok to start infiltrating it into the brains of young kids, yeah. how we still have to be the policemen of the world. No, that's you, neocons, and you at the Atlantic trying to drill this into people's heads. And it's just, I think it's sick. Because again, these folks, while they're over here, you know, there was, there was this kid that I dated when I first got to DC and he told me, you know, cause his father worked in, he was in the military. His father, you know, was from, you know, it was at West Point and he was, you know, like big in the military too. And he said, he's like, the United States goes through recessions, but you're never going to see it in DC because people still get paid. Yeah. So you're never going to see a recession here. And now we do, we are seeing supply chain issues here. Uh, like when I went to CVS yesterday and the, the shelves were bare. Um, but yeah, you're never going to see your, your big pay cut or anything because those are the American people paying for you to keep doing your job, a job that you're not doing. And making their lives miserable as you. Right. So they don't understand how, you know, five, $5 more for Turkey and $5 more for Hamburger Helper that they've been basically, you know, using to survive because they can't afford the good stuff. You know, th that's why you see like even like on Fox News and CNN. Well, I guess we can't eat, afford steak for a while. So let's just do hamburger meat. These people are already on hamburger meat. Yeah. You know, they're, what are you, they're going to go to spam next. 
you know, spam the meat, not spam in your spam folder. Um, but yeah, I mean, which is, which, yeah, my dad loves spam when he used to make it all the time as a kid. My mom was like, this is gross. Um, but yeah, but yeah, you're going to have them go to spam now. And it's just, it's one of these things where they have no concept. They're so out of touch. $5,000 for a family for over a year. Yeah, that's a drop in the bucket for somebody like an AOC and her Tesla. But for a family with two kids and two parents, where the, both of the parents are already working and they're paying hand over foot for childcare and what have you, that's a lot of money. A lot of money. And they're going to see it. And $5,000, I actually think, is, is conservative. I truly think it's probably between the eight and $10,000 range when you look at it. Well, this stuff hasn't been priced in yet. Mm-hmm. This is just the COVID stuff. This is, oh, this is just COVID. Yeah. We I mean, this was in February. Yeah. This, this was in February. Which so they Uber, haven't even priced Uber, in the I other saw stuff. Uber Eats. They're already putting a fuel, a, a temporary surcharge for gas. You know? My mom didn't make $15 an hour her entire career. And single parent. So, you know, it, this would be devastating. Devastating. Like when, if you're asking me my point of view and why I look at this stuff, I look at it through that lens. This would be devastating. She's not the only one um, who's going through that. This is a lot of Americans that are getting hit by this stuff. And look, the media can try to not give a contextual understanding of it. The media could try to absolve the Biden administration of blame and their culpability in it. The reality of it is, it is their fault. They are culpable in this stuff. These are policies that they chose. It wasn't an act of God. It wasn't cosmic. They made choices. But look, you guys are listening to Fault Lines. Thomas, Anzac. We have a great show for you today. We have a great guest, George Samueli. He's a PhD um, senior research fellow and Global Policy Institute. You're going to love him. We've had him on for a while. It's been over a year or so since we've had him. So it's great that he's coming back. Fault Lines, Thomas Bronzak. Back in a moment. Fault Lines. Fault Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. My name is Jamal Thomas. I'm joined with my co-host, Farron Frontak, coming to you live out of our station in Washington, D.C. If you guys just so happen to find yourself in the D.C. area, you can catch us on radio at 105.5 FM and 1390 AM. We're also kicking around in Kansas City at 102.9 FM and 104.7 FM. If you guys are digging with Farron and I or putting down whatever platform you're consuming this content on, give us a like and share that audio or video. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can do so with a tweet, a chat, and a course. My phone at 202-521-1320. That is 202-521-1320. Your engagement helps make this show what it is, so definitely don't be shy. Pay us in rubles. And one of the interesting things is the question about whether or not Europe is actually going to do this. Well, one state, at the very least in Europe, has decided to do this, or at the very least is discussing um, doing this, and that is Hungary. Not to mention the issues and the sanctions that have basically took place yesterday Again, let's have a conversation about that stuff and let's hear the effects and the consequences of it. Sorry. We're joined with George Samueli. He's a PhD, Senior Research Fellow, Global Policy Institute, author of Bombs for Peace, NATO's Humanitarian War on Yugoslavia in 2014. George, welcome to the show. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. How are you? So far, so good. Better that you are with us. Um, I... I wanted to get into basically what is taking place in Europe. So the Biden administration has been able to get Europe to go along and shoot itself in the face with these sanctions. And, of course, Macron was pushing for them. And it seems that they sanctioned Putin's daughters. They went after coal shipments, which, again, continued to leaving gas alone in this process. 
What is your take on all of this? I mean, are those sanctions that they passed yesterday, are there any additional significance associated with it? I mean, it seems that after you do shock and awe sanctions, that anything else after that becomes a little bit more paltry. But what is your take on the events that are taking place in Europe regarding sanctions and the effects that these sanctions are having, not not just on Russia, but also on Europe? Well, of course, uh, as you said, I mean, the Europeans are indeed shooting themselves in the foot. The crisis in Ukraine was brought about by U.S. policy. I mean, it was the United States that pushed and pushed and pushed for Ukraine uh, to be a NATO member, uh, especially the Biden administration. Um, the Europeans really didn't want this. They they resisted not very effectively back in 2008. Um, so now, essentially, the the war that was predicted by many uh, analysts back in 2008, including um, the current uh, CIA director, former ambassador to uh, uh, Russia, that was William Burns, he said, this is a bridge too far. The Russians will not tolerate this um, uh, Ukraine uh, as, as a NATO member state. So now, of course, that, that war came about. And it's the Europeans who are paying the price. It was, it's the Europeans, the ones who didn't really want Ukraine uh, in NATO. Um, they're having to uh, in, uh, enact one uh, wave of sanctions after another, and they are suffering from it because they are heavily uh, dependent on energy imports from Russia, particularly Germany. Germany is the economic powerhouse of Europe. It's a, uh, a country very dependent on world trade. Uh, Russia, on the contrary, is not dependent on world trade. Russia more or less runs an autarkic economy. They, you know, they they do have some uh, trade with the rest of the world, but more or less they can get by because they they're self-sufficient in food, self-sufficient in energy, uh, and they produce uh, goods that the rest of the world badly needs, including uh, wheat, energy, fertilizers, precious metals. Uh, the world needs Russia much more than Russia needs the world. But the Europeans, they've gone along with this, and now they're enacting a wave after wave of these sanctions, which are destroying the European economy. And uh, Chancellor Olaf Scholz has been warned by German industrialists are saying that th- if we continue along this path, the German economy will be destroyed. I mean, we're going to go back to 1945. Uh, we just simply can't take... Um, just giving up on our energy imports. How are we going to get our, you know, our magnificent industries working? Our pharmaceuticals industries, our auto industries, our chemicals industry. We badly need uh, energy from Russia. Where are we going to get our energy if we simply say no? We're not getting getting it from Russia. Nuclear power is gone. Um, so what's left? And you know that's the, that's the question that I think many Americans are asking themselves. Here is what is the end game? What is our goal? Why are, is this over democracy? Is this over energy? Is this over the dollar? Um, because when you look at a lot of different facets of it, it, it truly is all three, I think, combined. Um, but that is the question it, when it comes to energy. Is this the United States literally trying to bring Europe to its knees to eventually come to the United States and get its energy from us? Or, you know, what what do you think is the end game in all of this? Because it's there's so many different angles it could be you could be looking at it from, but you know, what do you think the main one is? Well, I think there are two main ones. I think first of all, I think the Americans believe that they can bring the Russian economy to its knees. I think they think that these sanctions will eventually devastate Russia. 
that such devastation will lead to the fall of uh, Putin. And with the fall of Putin, the Americans hope that uh, there'll be a return to the good old days of uh, Gorbachev and Yeltsin, who just simply give away the store as they did in the late 80s and uh, 1990s. Um, that is the, that's one of the American goals. Second American goal is, as you say, to bring the European economy to its knees. I mean, I think if, if the Europeans cut themselves off from Russian energy, well, where are they going to get their energy from? Well, America is obviously one source, so that's very nice for the American um, energy industry. The Middle East is obviously another source, and America has a very powerful position in the Middle East. It has its uh, allies, its Saudi Arabias, its uh, Gulf states. It's always been had a strong uh, presence in the Middle East. Uh, Europe doesn't have much of a presence in the Middle East. So that's, again, uh, a nice goal for the United States. And the third goal, which is, uh, and this is a longstanding American goal, which is to prevent a um, an alliance between Europe and Russia. I mean, it's always been an American nightmare that Russia's vast energy resources, its vast um, uh, fertile lands will be aligned with German industry and European investment. And so this then it would be this great Eurasian landmass, the kind of thing that uh, was the nightmare of um, Zbigniew Brzezinski, that whole Halford McKinder theory about who dominates the Eurasian landmass. And the Americans have always been worried that Europe will become aligned with Russia. So creating a huge irreparable rift between Europe and Russia, which seems to have now been created, is again a longstanding American goal. Are we looking at a new, let's say, overarching security architecture from the standpoint of East and West um, in Europe, meaning this kind of standard uh, policy that might have gone by for the last several years where you have this conflict with NATO expansion and everything else. It seems that are we going to get what seems to be, I guess, a stated or some kind of settlement to, I don't know, settled or split the world into these kind of two halves? Is that what we're looking at taking place? I mean, this kind of historic change going forward? Well, it looks like it because um, the hapless, um, feckless uh, Europeans have failed to seize the opportunities that were on offer after the end of the Cold War in which they could have created a security architecture that would have incorporated Russia. Uh, because at that time, Russia was very uh, pro-Western, wanted nothing more than to be integrated with the West, and it would have made sense to create a overarching security architecture of which Russia was a part. Instead, we had the United States that is is really NATO. NATO is the United States. And they pushed and pushed and pushed to create a NATO block that was uh, hostile, antagonistic, and threatening to Russia. Sooner or later, there was going to be an explosion. Now, I'm assuming that, uh, because all the indications are that uh, Russia will uh, get its achieve its goals in Ukraine. It will create a buffer state um, between uh, itself and the kind of the West. You know, the Ukraine will be partitioned, and then there'll be these yeah hostile blocks, which is a NATO block, uh, and then uh, Russia and China block. Um, what happens then is, of course, uh, anybody's guess. I mean, will more intelligent people in Europe emerge? Will say that we we're in a dead end. We've, we've shot ourselves in the foot. Our economy uh, is in the toilet. Um, we're now, you know, simply the, uh, the westernmost part of the Eurasian landmass where you have Russia and China are kind of uh, absolutely unbreakable partners. 
Uh, we have to do something about that because we're now losing our significance completely in the world. We're under America's thumb and we have no, no geopolitical clout. And even our economy, you know, we're losing our markets in, uh, in China. So will more intelligent leaders come forward uh, in Europe? I don't know. Orban is obviously one of those intelligent leaders, but I don't see anybody else at the moment uh, following Orban's lead, despite Orban's obviously, you know, that his, his program has been very successful and has won him four successive landslides. I want to talk about Viktor Orban because he's a very interesting character to me. Um, you have it where he wins and, and obviously, um, and actually for those that, that have Fox Nation, Tucker Carlson did a great one-on-one with him talking about everything that he did that and he's got, you know, great approval rating. He, you know, nationalized a lot of things. He built the border wall where they actually cover the border, um, comparing it to the southern border here in the United States. Um, him winning and, and saying, you know, that he wants to be able to work with Russia and work with other countries. And people seem to like that. You then also have this upcoming election in France where Marie Le Pen, oh, just days ago, 48.9%, almost, you know, we can round up to probably 49, 50%. Um, but the highest that she's received so far, two days after th- this poll coming out, two days after she said that France needs to learn how to work with Russia and that Russia can be an ally. You're having these people, you know, in a very, in these very democratic countries, usually left-leaning countries, now having these conservatives come in who want nationalization for their own countries. Um, and, you know, nationalization, I feel like always sounds like a bad word, but I think it's just, you know, you're focused, I, I, the way I see it is it's you're focusing on your own country and your own problems rather than police the world like what the United States likes to do. But what do you make of that with these conservative people coming in and people wanting that. No, I, I think that's a, a very interesting uh, development. But keep in mind, I mean, it's not um, wholly a new phenomenon. Um, uh, General Charles de Gaulle um, was pursuing that very policy. He was a, a man of the right. He was obviously a conservative. Um, but he thought that uh, the whole transatlantic uh, alliance in which uh, the United States called the shots uh, for Europe was a disaster for Europe. It was a disaster uh, economically and financially, whereby uh, essentially Europe was importing inflation from the United States. That was the issue back in the 1960s. But in, from the point of view of security, it didn't help uh, anybody in uh, in Europe. It just simply uh, reinforced uh, the divisions within Europe. I mean, that's so, and that was the view then. Unfortunately, the transatlantic gravy train was too powerful for uh, de Gaulle and uh, and you know then you know, basically that that whole movement of essentially um, nations of Europe asserting their own national self-interest you know went in abeyance. There was a little bit of a flurry as well. The Germans kind of when they pursued their Ostpolitik in the 1970s and 80s, but it wasn't quite that same. Didn't have that same uh, agenda that uh, De Gaulle had. So it's perfectly understandable. And Orbán very much invokes the spirit of de Gaulle when he talks about Europe of nation states. That was de Gaulle's um, uh, agenda. So uh, it, his, as he sees it, look, we, you know, we are nation states. Uh, we have our goals. We have our interests. And we don't want to get into other people's fights. And that's why he, 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 Orban has said Ukraine is not our issue. Um, you know, we, we don't want to get in the middle of this. 
you know, w- w- if we get in the middle of it, we're going to lose either way. You know, whichever way, whoever wins, we're going to be the losers. You know, Hungary has historically always lost out when East and West uh, clashed. And that's a very sensible policy. And incidentally, there's no love loss between Hungary and Ukraine. This, is, this isn't uh, mentioned very much in the Western media, but Ukraine has a very substantial Hungarian minority which is persecuted. They're unable to uh, study in their own language. Their cultural institutions are constantly under threat from this, um, the post-2014 Maidan government. Um, so there's no, no reason at all why Hungary should make any sacrifices for Ukraine. I mean, it's been warning U- Ukraine for years about its mistreatment of its Hungarian minority. Uh, but uh, your point about uh, you know, Le Pen is, is, is right. I mean, I think she's also thinking, well, why exactly is France being dragged into this conflict when there's no uh, alliance at all with uh, Ukraine? Ukraine is not a member of NATO. Uh, Ukraine has never been deemed to be a vital national interest for uh, either the United States or any other uh, Western country. And yet, you know, with this hysteria, it would suggest that everything is on the line in Europe over Ukraine. Why? Never, Never been explained. And I think Whoever picks up the mantle and says, hey, this is not our fight. We need to work with Russia. Russia is an important partner for us. Uh, and we don't want to get into this kind of Cold War, NATO expansionist nonsense. Um, whoever picks that mantle up, I think he's got a big, big political future ahead of him. George, step into that for me for a minute. It, this idea. I'm, I'm stuck with this notion that did these guys, is this a magnificent failure or is this a success? Meaning. Is this some kind of playbook being run that all of these guys basically accept with Washington? Meaning we are taking action that we know are going to cost us because going all the way back decades ago, they fully understood that this was a red line issue. That was, again, the entire purpose behind those kind of assertions of this NATO would not expand one inch to the east, et cetera, et cetera. All of them knew. And if all of them knew and yet they took one step inexorably leading to where we are now, was it something that they basically made a choice to do intentionally? Or is this a monstrous failure of Western policy? I can't necessarily tell which. But what is going on in their heads in regards to an endgame for this particular process? And what do they think was going to happen with all of this? Well, that's that's an excellent question. Um, I think the United States always knew that this uh, conflict was coming. I think they wanted to uh, provoke this conflict. I think the United States has felt that this would be a a devastating um, outcome for Russia. It'll be Russia's Afghanistan, that they'll be stuck uh, in Ukraine fighting forever, um, that it'll be destroy their economy, um, and it'll, be, you know, it'll just bring, bring the, uh, the, the Putin government down. That, that, I think, was the U.S. goal. The European goal, I think, is much uh, more obscure. I mean, I think they've just simply gone along with the uh, American uh, agenda, and I think that, that's been the case for many, many decades when Europe has acted contrary to its interests um, because of this institutional structure of NATO. I mean, you're in NATO, so you have to follow uh, NATO's uh, um, demands, and NATO's demands are issued by the United States. So um, as far as the Europeans goes, they, they really are just simply going along um, with, with this kind of mad momentum without anyone really pausing to think, where, where is this going? I mean, as, as I say, the German industrialists are saying, this is madness. You're destroying, you know, the pride and joy of Germany, our, uh, you know, our great economic miracle. Um, but the p- politicians are just too lightweight and too inconsequential to to know how to get off this uh, moving train. I mean, these people like Scholz and Annalena Baerbock. I mean, they are 
lightweight. I mean, one minute they say, well, we'll, we'll keep Nord Stream 2 uh, going. You know, that's, it, we should separate it from politics. Next minute, when the Americans start yelling at them, I said, okay, we will drop Nord Stream 2. I mean, what kind of a government is it that doesn't, isn't even able to identify clearly uh, what its national interests are? Yeah, that's an extremely good point. Um, I, I don't, it's just shocking to me. Like, I've, I've watched these guys, their domestic program at this point, there's a grim economic picture that's basically looming. It is clear as day. I mean, even before, it, none of this stuff is priced in yet. And yet, 10% inflation, talking about in Germany. And to your point, German um, industrialists coming out basically saying our industries would collapse without gas. From the United States standpoint, I get it, right? We can do without the gas that it may hurt, but all things being equal, we can do without it. Europe can't. And this seems to be the second time where Europe is going along with, like, for example, back during um, political upheavals, for example, Syria war. You had all of those people that basically fled from Syria moving into Europe. Europe ends up with all sorts of political instability with many right-wing governments and everything else basically coming in. Well, that looks like something similar, that regardless of Joe Biden saying, articulating his feelings about Putin needing to leave, well, Biden looks like he's on his way out with the level of polling that he's in. Um, Afarin made the point about Marie Le Pen basically gaining on Macron, Orban winning, the president of Serbia winning. I guess this question is, will there be political upheaval in Europe as a result of the policies or the geopolitical policies that these guys are going along with? And would Europe, or for that matter, in the U.S., would they be able to get by with just saying, Putin did it? Or... Would they really be political consequences as a result of their actions? We'll have to see. I mean, the election in France will indeed be very interesting. Um, the conventional view is that this will be pretty much a rerun of uh, 2017. You know, Le Pen will probably come close on, on the first round, but then uh, Macron will win uh, decisively in the second round, and then everything is back to normal. That's the conventional view. I, I don't know whether that's uh, right or not. I, I suspect that that argument that anyone but Le Pen and that somehow the, trying to terrify the French about having Le Pen as president will um, will work uh, this time. I don't think it will work this time. I think that um, the argument is uh, is getting very uh, threadbare by now. And uh, Macron just isn't popular. Macron is not like. Uh, he hasn't been uh, a, a good, uh, successful president domestically, and in terms of his foreign policy, I mean, he's, he's been a joke. I mean, he's been, you know, he's been all over the place. The only question that I have, though, about Macron, though, is you had the president of Poland coming out blasting Macron, saying, you know, you're talking with the enemy, you're talking with Russia. We don't deal with, um, what did he call him? He said, we, you know, we don't deal with terrorists or we don't deal with, you know, culprits. So, that, and I, trust me, I understand what you're saying, but the fact that he's even talking with Putin, isn't that somewhat of a good thing? Oh, I agree. It is a good thing. But the problem is with Macron is that he hasn't pursued, um, you know, any a goal uh, in any clear and decisive way. Um, he could have done. He could have uh, said from the beginning that uh, we're not going to have Ukraine in NATO, that um, NATO is brain dead, as he, had, he said a couple of years ago. Um, that uh, it's European stability is more important than pushing for uh, NATO expansion. And he could have told uh, Zelensky that, uh, you know, he has to uh, you know, give up on his NATO ambitions. And, in, and then he could have told the Americans, um, we're just not going along with your program. He didn't do that. And he, he, he tried to have it both ways. And when you have it, uh, try to have it both ways, 
um, as I think Margaret Thatcher once said, you know, you get hit by traffic from coming from both directions. And that's what's happened with Macron. He's, he's been hit by traffic coming in both directions. So, um, you know, he could have, you know, there was an opening for him to take a sensible centrist position on uh, European security. He didn't do it. Um, and so, you know, I, you know, it's now up to Le Pen to make the case that uh, the most important thing for Europe is to avoid war and to have good relations with Russia. I mean, you know, Macron hasn't been able to articulate that case, but if Le Pen can articulate that case, she could win. I'm curious, short of um, Le Pen, is there anybody else in Europe that has taken an opposition point of view from this basic narrative that is going forward in regards to Ukraine? We only have about 30 seconds or about a minute left, but I'm just curious. It's only um, so far, only opposition parties. So, I mean, in terms of who's in government, I think it's only been Orban. But there have been various opposition parties in Italy. I mean, there's going to be elections in Italy. So the, the, the kind of two right wing parties in Italy have, have sort of taken that view. We'll see how they do. But for the rest, NATO has uh, the NATO agenda has uh, <laughs> has held pretty solid. Very interesting. George. Thank you for this, man. I really appreciate this. George Samueli, he's a PhD, senior research fellow, Global Policy Institute. He's author of such books called Bombs for Peace, NATO's Humanitarian War on Yugoslavia in 2014. You guys are listening to Fault Lines. Thomas Franzak, back in a moment. Fault Lines. Live from the divided states of America, precipitously perched at the edge of this resilient and exploited cosmos. Welcome to your, welcome to your, oh geez, I'm sorry, I'm doing two things at once. (laughs) Welcome. Here, you know what? Live from the divided states of America, sitting atop the transmission tower of truth, taking down hypocrisy, one lie at a time for those who think women can't multitask. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't. I I can't. I'm bad at it. In the ladies' corner, my trolls call me Moscow Mary, but I'm your pierogi princess, your journalist extraordinaire, American Farron. In the left corner, I'm your indefatigable, your ever-vigilant, your burning ember in the darkness, your political analyst, Jamal Thomas. Which means you're listening to Fault Lines with Thomas and Franzak. Yeah, I am horribly doing two things at once. And well, at we, the, have, we have a lot of stuff going on. We, act, we had a, a, a guest kind of dip out, so we're trying to... You never know when there's fires going on behind yeah. us. Because we usually we're look, so good at managing we're it. We're so good at it. So but while so while Jamarl is, is uh, putting out some fires, he's going to go put on his fire suit. Um, I'm going to go through the headlines with you guys and let you know what's happening around the world. We've got some new updates for you. International News Special Counsel John Durham published evidence indicating that former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman allegedly lied to the FBI in writing that his Trump-Russia research had not been made for the Clinton campaign. Sussman allegedly wrote to the FBI general counsel that James Baker in September 2016, quote, do you have availability for a short meeting tomorrow? I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or a company. Want to help the bureau? Thanks. Just a good American. <laughs> That's yeah. all I am. That was a lie. The U.S. Senate passed a Lend-Lease bill Wednesday that would provide Ukraine with weapons and supplies in their fight against the Russian military. More money. 
Texas Governor Greg Abbott says Texas will send illegal immigrants to the U.S. Capitol by bus so that the Biden administration can deal with the influx in the United States as a result of its own open border policy. Abbott signed the policy Wednesday and said 900 charter buses have been assembled for the operation. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the administration is sticking to its assertion that President Joe Biden never spoke to his son Hunter Biden about his overseas business deals. In 2019, then-former Vice President Biden claimed that he never talked to his son about his business dealings. I want you to take a listen to Peter Ducey yesterday asking Jen Psaki about this and listen to her answer. On another topic, was it common for President Biden to do favors for Hunter Biden's international business partners, like writing college recommendations for their kids? I have I've seen the report. I have no confirmation or comment on a report about whether or not the president, when he was a private citizen, wrote a college recommendation letter for an individual. A college recommendation letter, though, from uh, at the time a former vice president would be a big deal. So do we know what the president might have gotten in return for doing a favor like that? Again, I have no confirmation of any recommendation letter the president wrote when he was a private citizen, by the way, not uh, serving in public office. That's even the report. But he's the president now and you're his spokesperson. Correct. And he was not the president at the time of this report. So there's evidence that the president at one point was office mates with Hunter and his brother Jim here in D.C. It's not accurate. That is not accurate. So when Hunter Biden is emailing a landlord, uh, please have keys made available for new office mates, Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Jim Biden. That you're disputing. They were not office mates, no. They were not office mates. Okay. She's like, I don't get paid enough for this. That's why I'm going to MSNBC. (laughs) (laughs) And continuing on with your headlines, hours from now, the Senate is expected to confirm Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court. Her confirmation as the first black woman on the Supreme Court was assured Monday when Republican Senators Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney, and Susan Collins pledged their support. This now gives the Democrats a cushion of 53 to 47. In your international news, the G7 countries have issued a lengthy statement condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine and calling for it to be suspended from the UN Human Rights Council. The G7 countries are Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, the UK, and the United States. The US has slapped new sanctions on Russia, targeting Russian banks and politicians, including Putin's children, and banning new investments into the country. The latest round of sanctions comes in response to allegations that the Russian military carried out mass executions in the city of Bucha near Kiev. The New York Times reports its verification of an online video that shows a group of Ukrainian soldiers killing captured Russian troops in the vicinity of Bucha near the capital of Kiev. The video posted shows the killing of a wounded Russian soldier along with three more dead Russian soldiers with their hands tied behind their backs and white bands around their arms surrounded by bloodstains. In your Earth and Science news, scientists from Earth are preparing a new message for aliens that will include a great deal of mathematical and biological data about humans. The message will include math equations. Jamarl's ears perked up. Yeah. The message will include math equations and some DNA sequences in contrast to the message first sent to space in 1974 that only included binary code and some images of the solar system. And your business news, Deutsche Bank economists forecast the American economy might face a recession by the end of the next year because of the Federal Reserve's decision to raise interest rates. 
The economists expect the Fed to raise the rates by 0.5% for the first three meetings and eventually take it to 3.5% by the middle of 2023. In your crazy story, it's a Guinness Book of World Records. A Texas seven-year-old was dubbed the youngest professional mariachi singer by the Guinness Book of World Records. Seven-year-old Mateo Lopez got his start singing along with mariachi bands at local restaurants when he was just four, and his skills have since led to appearances on Mexico's Got Talent and Little Big Shots. Parents Alberto and Janelle Lopez took their son to Milan, Italy in February. They did not tell him until arriving that the purpose of the trip was to receive his Guinness Book of World Records certificate. How cute. Your holidays today, National Beer Day, National Alcohol Screening Day, two little opposites there, National Burrito Day, and National No Housework Day. Today in history, back in 1896, the modern Olympics began in Athens. 1909, two Americans became the first men to reach the North Pole. 1933, low alcoholic beer became legal in the U.S., 1963, like the first day of the Masters today, Jack Nicholas's first Masters victory at the age of 23. 1969, the internet was born. Where were you, Al Gore? Al Gore. And 2001, NASA launched the Mars Odyssey spacecraft, with, which reached Mars later in October. Those are your headlines for Thursday, April 7th, 2022. Two more headlines. So one is Augusta... I guess it's Alasina. I don't necessarily know who this person is. Apparently, he's a famous artist. And he, they were apparently going back and forth yesterday. And he says on Twitter, I ain't having sex. I got to harness my energy life force to continue to summoning energies for all spells that have been cast. Now, I think there's some people spells who actually... Spells cast on who? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's he's summoning his life force by not having sex for his career. Or maybe he casts these kind of magical spells for a square. N- nobody really knew what this meant. And there was a lot of people that were basically going back and forth. And he even says, who said we playing? Who said we playing? He's like, I'm not this joking about this. This is a headline. You this is a headline. Head. Yeah. This was a, a greatly important How headline. How some guy's not having sex because In order he's to a increase his powers. I thought it was hilarious. I just, it's Those are <laughs> headlines, folks, for Thursday, April 7th. You know what's funny? And the other headline that I wanted to go with, complete opposite. So this is, in a break with the past, this is NBC News. In a break with the past, U.S. is using intel in a fight in an info war with Russia, even when the intel isn't rock solid. So wait, you're just realizing that? Like, meaning you're just getting that these guys have been giving you reports that were not necessarily true for some kind of effect in the outside world, either domestically or in a geopolitical sense. It's astonishing. To make it even better, Ken Delanian is one of the people um, that wrote this. Ken Delanian was the guy that got fired from LA Times for basically working with the CIA to vet his stories. And so it's like the guy, the guy who's working with spooks to vet his stories is writing a story, talking about the stories that they're releasing are basically propaganda. All I heard was, is a guy that's writing the story on the story with the... Right, with, right. What? <laughs> right. Your All mother's right. brother's sister's dog's roommate? So what? Ken Delanian, <laughs> reporter at one point for mm-hmm. LA Times, gets fired from LA Times for basically getting his stories vetted by the CIA. Now, that's frowned upon for obvious reasons. You're supposed to be doing news and reporting, not necessarily getting the CIA or doing their job for them. So he is on this along with many of the other, um, I guess, people who wrote this story. But it's a story where they are shocked on some level that the U.S. government has been putting out propaganda for some kind of domestic or geopolitical effect. And it's like, golly gee, this is shocking. They even put in a break from the past as if this is something different. 
get out of here. It's almost like even that they got to kind of cut. Hey, this is not something they typically do, but they're owning up to putting out propaganda. Well, how sad. I mean, well, so here, here's another, um, here, here's another headline that I thought was very interesting. This was Joe Biden yesterday talking to a group of union workers and, oh, you know, he, um, you know, mentioning about the war in Ukraine. For those that haven't heard it, just take a listen. And those in the chat, let me know what you think. Roll tape. This war could continue for a long time, but the United States will continue to stand with Ukraine, the Ukrainian people in the fight for freedom. And I just want you to know that. And by the way, if I got to go to war, I'm going with you guys. I tell you. I mean it. If I got to go to war, I'm going with you guys? Who are you guys? Well, again, Raggedy Ann over here had to, had to, remember, it's like, it's the game of curling where they're behind him sweeping everything up. Well, hours later, listen to what Jen Psaki had to say in response. Um, The president today, as he was talking about his vow to stand by Ukrainians, added a line. And by the way, if I've got to go to war, I'm going with you guys. Can you clarify what that meant? There's no intention of sending troops to the ground or fighting a war uh, between uh, with the U.S. forces against Russia. That was a reflection of his long love for uh, labor unions and members of labor unions and the building and trades workers who were there and people that he would always love to be in the foxhole with, not an indication of a change in U.S. policy. Right. Clean up on L5. Again. She's like, I don't get paid enough for this crap. No. I'm going to MSNBC. He is talking, just so we're clear, he's talking to union workers. And he basically says, talking about Ukraine to these union workers. And then says, if I have to go to war, I'm going to war with you guys. What on earth? Notice she didn't explain Sir, what he what meant by that. what state are you in? Yeah. Let's just go with that first. Well, you know, <laughs> during the election, he couldn't even get that right. He kept saying he was in the wrong states. I guess my thing is, what is Joe Biden talking about? I mean, did he just confuse himself? Like... Did he think for a moment he was like, okay, I'm talking about Ukraine. Now I'm going to talk about unionization. Like, I don't know what he is talking about here. I don't even think Saki knew. I mean, Saki had just this is not an articulation of a change of policy. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's, it's, I don't think it's she knows. very, very odd. And, um, you know, we're, we're actually going to be talking with um, Tyler Nixon as well, coming up at 830, talking about all of this Hunter Biden stuff. And for those that missed it, we'll play that Hunter Biden clip again of her. But, you know, that, that's the other thing, too, is that I was saying, because um, Jafar in the chat was like, did you guys talk about Obama snubbing Biden? And yes, we oh, did. Oh, yes, we did. Um, and, <laughs> yes, and, we did. And yes, we did. So you'll have to roll back on the replay tonight at 6 p.m. on my YouTube channel. But Saddest thing you've um, ever seen. But not even that. And that's where I was saying, I think that they're also snubbing him because, you know, an indictment's for sure going to come down on Hunter Biden. Right. And I oh, think, you think he may be liable on some level? Uh, oh, hell yeah, he is. I mean, I know he is, yeah, he but is. it's one thing for us to know that based on the text message or the emails and everything else. It's another thing for the media to basically own up to it in a way where they start focusing on it and start pointing, saying, hey, you seem like you have a bit of culpability. You mean you lied about not knowing what your son was doing. These emails kind of attest to the fact that you were lying about that with the representatives that you were basically meeting in these emails. So is it a situation where you believe that they realized that Biden on some level is culpable. I mean, even in the Biden-Obama administration, there were people who basically said, look, your relationship with your son in this in Ukraine thing is a problem. Meaning this was something they already knew was a problem. I forget, I, I could pull up the reports. I believe it was in the Times. I guess my thing is, is Biden on some level a liability at this point in the way that they're viewing him? In which case, 
they are signaling that in the way that they are ignoring him and the way he was wandering around like an old man in an old folks home, not looking for his kids or family. I mean, like, is it that? I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe this is their way of saying we're done with this person. And I think, you know, again, somebody I forget who it was that said in the chat, it might have been uh, beast mode, but um, he's like, how dare Kamala and Obama make me feel sorry for Joe Biden. Right. You know? <laughs> How dare they do that? I didn't but feel it, sorry it for him. I truth. thought it was funny. It is the truth. You know, and again, they, they and, and before I always thought it was Joe Biden to beat Trump, but I do see that, yeah, with Bernie, he would have, Joe Biden was put in there to beat Bernie. Yeah. I mean, if you remember, African-Americans were going with Sanders. Hispanics were going with Sanders. Biden was the only one that was going to get the African-American vote in a way that would beat Sanders. And so it seems like all of this was built around that. I mean, even when all of the other Democrats basically got out the ring and it was like, OK, we're back in Biden now, knowing full well that there were going to be promises and everything else that were going on behind the scenes. All of that stuff seemed very pertinent to Sanders. If you remember, Bloomberg even got in a race at that point when yeah. Democrats started freaking out. Little. Little Mike, little Mike. <laughs> little Mikey spent a billion dollars in a primary. Yeah. Billion dollars in a nice. primary. Like astonishing stuff. But all of them were freaked out. His reason for getting in, Biden can't carry the burden of beating Sanders. The Democratic Party was freaking out going into South Carolina where James Clyburn and everything time, else. And here's where I, I think with, with the Democrats, though. And when I say you, I don't mean like you specifically, but you're all stupid. You, 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 what did you think with Hillary Clinton? You thought that they weren't going to do that again with Bernie? And I will say, and I know a lot of, I I feel for Bernie, for Bernie bros and all that, because for Bernie then to drop out and give it to Biden. Oh, painful. I was like, I was like, you P.O.S. Epic pain. Because understand, at the point where you have. He had him by the cojones. Right there. The point, the point where you have all of those people, you have tens of millions of people that are saying, we will die on the flag. We could be assaulted with an alien assault. And they would running with the flag, making that last vote for Bernie Sanders. That's the level of commitment that you basically had. And instead of taking that and saying, unless you're willing to do X and Y, you will not get these people to vote for you. He's not willing to do that. He turns around and says, OK, I'll give it to Biden. It's not about giving an Biden at the point where you have that many people backing you and that many people willing to set fire to the Democratic Party for you. You use that. And if you're not willing to use it, it's a waste. And that's where even like Roger Stone has even talked about this, too, because everybody knows that I'm a huge Roger Stone fan as far as his teachings. And, you know, when you you learn so much from him and and the reason why he was very much against third parties was because it's much easier to grab voters by, you know, like he says, hate is more powerful than love. If you have your party hate the other side so much, which is what the Democrats did with Trump, which is why they won. Hate is more um, is more uh, drives more votes than love. Um, But the problem is, is that when you have a third party, the third party then removes that hate love and it brings in issues. Exactly. And and they don't want to talk issues because that's not going to drive voters to the polls. However, we are in such a spot now where. Issues are going to drive voters to the polls. And that's what we're going to talk about next in my monologue, folks. It's a, there's, as AOC says, there's the macro and then the micro. Well, I'm going the micro and I'm going back to my hometown of Chicago. And we're going to look at what's going on with Lori Lightfoot. She's shaking in her boots this morning and she might not have the biggest beep in Chicago anymore. (laughs) Rumble.com slash fault lines. 424 in the chat. Hit that rumble button. Share it with everybody. Let us know in the chat where you're tuning in from. We always love to see, uh, like, again, we had H-Town. We had Austin. We had Queens, New York. We want to see where we're all tuning in from. Rumble.com slash fault lines. We are back in two minutes. 
Outlines. Fault Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. My name is Jamal Thomas. I'm here with my co-host, Farron Franza, coming hey to you live out of our station in Washington, D.C. And we are at that momentous moment where I get to sit back and I get to hear Farron's fault. Farron, what is your fault for today? Well, what up, all my Chicago fans? This one's for you. Um, that bears, that bears, that bears, even though I'm a Colts <laughs> fan because they've sucked forever. Um, so... Last night, for those that you that don't know this, I, I like watching Tucker. He's the only kind of person that I watch on Fox News. But I am from Chicago, born and raised. Uh, growing up, my my grandfather, um, or both of my grandfathers, they were they were called the Blue Dog Democrats, is is what they were called. You know, Chicago Blue Dog Democrats. I Meaning they were pro union. However, they kind of had some fiscal. Um, leanings towards the Republicans. However, the big thing that Republicans were against that Chicago Blue Dogs were for was unions. Um, we have had our share of amazing mayors. <laughs> we had the Dailies, the father and son. We had Rahm Emanuel or Little Rahm as, as, as uh, Trump called him. And then we had Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Mary Lori Lightfoot, if you didn't know, she is, um, yeah, she has the biggest beep in Chicago. Um, so she said, um, she is a black lesbian woman um, who worked at, who is an attorney. She worked in the private sector and she ran saying that she was going to clean up Chicago and that she was going to help with the gun violence and she was going to, you know, basically clean up the streets. Well, you always hear politicians go into that saying what they're what they would love to do. It's these promises made, promises not kept. That's kind of what you were seeing a lot within the Democratic Party, which is when Hillary Clinton says, "Oh, you know, it's Democrats need to change their messaging." No, you need to change your actions. Lori Lightfoot got in. Much of what happened with like if you remember Jesse Smollett, there was a lot of corruption going on there. You had Kim Fox, who is the um county prosecutor backed by George Soros. And that's not a, a, a conspiracy drive Soros. No, that's like a fact. Uh, there was a number of prosecutors that he backed, including in New Orleans. Um, Chicago was another one. Was another one. Kim Fox. Um, there was a, there is a great if you have Fox Nation. One of Tucker's very first like documentaries that he did was on Chicago, and I've watched it a number of times because again, it's my hometown, it's my city, the city that I love. It is not the same city that I grew up in. My parents have a condo in uh, literally blocks from that subway where Jesse Smollett was attacked. Very nice affluent area. And when everybody heard this happening, they were like, there's no way that this happened. Because again, also during a polar vortex, what are you thinking? But again, um, you know, before, um, for those that didn't know, you know, I always say like about 50 pounds ago, I danced for the Chicago Bulls for a good year. And it was Derrick Rose's second year, so we didn't get very far. He was, you know, he that's when he started playing and he was like glass where he got, you know, his bones broken every two seconds. Um, <laughs> but it was glad. still an amazing experience. <laughs> but but I remember we would have to drive down for practice every single day and I would get off on Sacramento, which was the west side, which was a rough neighborhood. And where we would actually get off, there was um, the gym that we worked at was also where the Bulls practiced. It was gated. We had security because the shootings around there were that bad. And I remember my parents telling me like, when you get up, out. Like, you know, do not stop anywhere before or after that. Like, you know, you just get off the, the exits, go straight to the gym. 
and, you know, straight back on the highway. Now people don't even get off on that in that area anymore. People don't even want to go in that area. That's how much it's changed in like the six years since I've, I've been there and I've lived home. Um, but you have it though, where you had the Black Lives Matter protests. And if you remember, I remember watching and seeing all of the protests on the street where they blocked many of the bridges. Uh, Lori Lightfoot even had it where she raised the bridges so people couldn't come into the city, which really didn't work or help because there's other places and areas how you can get into the city. So, okay. Um, but you saw a lot of violence, especially on the South side where you have Alderman Raymond Lopez. Raymond Lopez, has, he is... Mexican, he is a minority, and he's also gay. Well, there was a phone call immediately after the Black Lives Matter protests where shootings were up. And mind you, Chicago has seen the most shootings this year than any other year it's ever seen in, in its lifetime. It's, it's horrible. Um, I believe when I, first, when I last did this report, and I was actually trying to find the, the, the report that I did on my show and it's gone because RT was scrubbed from the internet. But I was trying to go back and, and find part of that monologue, but it was over, you know, a thousand people shot within like the first, you know, the first half of Chicago. It was ridiculous. Literally two people shot and killed a day. Many of them kids. This, this Alderman Lopez would be attending funerals. There was a little seven-year-old girl that was shot on her way to ballet class. I mean, it was just disgusting. So after the whole Black Lives Matter protests were going on, and it was actually, I'm sorry, during it, it was, this was a call on May 31st. He asked Lori Lightfoot for help. What can we do? Because people were using the Black Lives Matter protests as a way to loot and destroy businesses and destroy the city. Take a listen to that phone call and listen. The first voice you'll hear is Alderman Raymond Lopez. The second voice you hear is the Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot. Take a listen. Half our neighborhoods are already obliterated. It's too late. We have to come up with a better plan because once my fear is once they're done looting and rioting and whatever's going to happen tonight, God help us. What happens when they start going after residents, going into the neighborhoods? Once they start trying to break down people's doors who they think they got something, or, or, you know, we know that people are here to antagonize and incite, and you've got them all pumped tonight, today, they're not going to go to bed at 8 o'clock. They're going to turn their focus in the neighborhoods. I've got gangbangers with AK-47s walking around right now, just waiting to settle some scores. I think you're 100% full of what I think. If you think well, we no were, offense, well, f- you then. Who are you, you to tell we me I'm ready. full of? And if you think, if you think Everyone's we were not ready and we stood by and let the neighborhood go off, there's nothing intelligent that I can say to you. Well, maybe you should come out of and see what's going on. The stupidest thing I have ever heard. I understand you want to preen. I understand that you think that you. Mayor, you need to check your. Attitude. That's what you need to do. So that is the mayor telling him, <laughs> thanks, bye. And he's like, no, you need to come and look at this. A lot of what she has done is it's kind of, you know, put the blinders on. If I don't see it, I don't have to deal with it. Well, last night it was announced that Alderman Raymond Lopez is running against Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. That same guy. I want you to listen to him on Tucker last night. 
take a listen of, of why he's running and what he plans to do. So I'm not quite sure how she got elected, but do you think that you can beat her? I know that I can beat Lori Lightfoot. We have done polls that show that the general population, the voters of the city of Chicago have made a decision on whether or not she deserves a second term. And overwhelmingly, that answer is no. People in Chicago want to feel safe. The number one issue in the city of Chicago, as your series pointed out, is that crime is out of control. It is like the Wild West in the Midwest in this city. They want a mayor who's going to take charge, to take ownership, and I vow to do that. I will make everyone's personal safety, whether they live here, work here, or come here to visit for vacation, my number one priority. Mayor Lightfoot has never done that. We're lucky if she even recognizes a victim, let alone take accountability for it. I will take account. I will be accountable for the violence. I have stood up to gangbangers throughout my two terms as alderman. I have not backed down, even when they've damaged my home, come at me at my house or even made death threats against me. They don't scare me the way they scare her. And I will stand for my people. Now, she tried to put a smear campaign against him. And what he's talking about when they demol- when they when they vandalized his home and stuff, because she put a smear can- campaign out on him. And mm-hmm. Explain. Because um, he, he, he released that phone call. And she said that, you know, oh my God, you know, he's trying to destroy me and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no. The, the Chicago people need to hear how you responded to the violence happening in their communities. Folks, if you don't remember the George Floyd protests, people were going on Michigan Avenue away from the protests and bashing in stores at, at, on Michigan Avenue. You also had it, too, where a lot of these, you know, as he calls them gangbangers, you know, but they, they were any color, black, white, brown, Asian, whatever. They were going out to suburbs like where my where I grew up, Oak Brook, where there's a big mall there, 20 minutes outside of the city, going to suburbs and shooting people in the mall. I mean, you have this where she's not done a thing, but she's she's got all of her buddies and all of her cronies. And yes, Chicago is a crony city. I totally get it. But here's the part that I want us all to pay attention to. And I really, really want um to go cover this race because <laughs> I also could be home too. But it, it is just because I know the city so well. Um, and actually my uncle is actually running to be an alderman right now too. And his in the second ward, but you have it where she is a black gay female and he is a Mexican gay man. And he said last night, She can't get me on LGBTQ issues because I'm of the LGBTQ community. She can't get me as a minority because I'm already a minority. So what is she going to have to do? She's going to actually have to talk about the issues and what she hasn't done for this city and how she's made it worse. She's going to have to run on her record and people aren't going to buy it anymore. And that's where I think if you have Democrats that stand up to these other Democrats the way that he is, Possibly the Democratic Party could change and maybe get more people in like a Bernie, get in more progressives or what have you. But the Democrats, again, like what Hillary Clinton says, they need to work on their message messaging. No, they have their their messaging is fine. Their messaging is fine. It's their actions, their actions that they're not doing. And again, at least give it to, you know, somebody like uh, a Trump where he's, you know, I am the candidate of, of law and order. And then he he becomes law and order. You know what? He says he said what he said and then he did what he said. And that's the difference. And that's why I think a lot of people are going to completely turn to Republicans because Republicans or at least like a guy like a Trump are going to have their their words be followed up with their actions. You know, 
Now, I'm not saying all Republicans are great because there are Republicans that I can't stand, like your Mitt Romneys and all that that are coming in grandstanding. And it's like, oh, get the hell out of here, you know? (laughs) But again, I think a guy like Raymond Lopez, and again, he's been very vocal about her. Two questions on this. I mean, you've lived there. You have grew up there, so you have an understanding. The violence in Chicago is astonishing. And we've covered stories. 508 shootings so far, and it's only April. And the fact that you mentioned that I think it was like last year was the worst. That's astonishing because when we were covering Chicago, even before last year, it was like a war zone. I mean, the number of people. It's called that, Chirac for a Chirac. reason. <laughs> We've even had people who were instrumental in trying to deal with the various gangs in Chicago and everything else come onto the show trying to explain how bad things are. And yeah, Lori Lightfoot just seems out to lunch. And that guy, he really, I was, when, when you played that, I thought to myself, he had to leak that. Because that's too yeah, good. Mm-hmm. I mean, because basically, hey, we have all of these issues associated with crime, violence, and everything else that everybody in Chicago knows. They get it on a flat fact level because they live there. And her response is, you're crazy. You're insane. That's not a big deal. And it makes it look as if she doesn't care. Or at the very least, that's not one of her priorities. And he even offered for her to come down to his ward and take a tour and he yeah. would show her. Not to mention, she starts swearing at him immediately, which mm-hmm. gives you, it's like, this is the person who they have, like, this is who she is behind the scene. And that's, you know, the big D comment is one thing. That is horrendous. That is horrendous um, tape uh, to be caught saying that. And yeah, to his point, I mean, I guess the question is, can he do anything on the issue of crime? And what would that look like? Because to me, dealing with crime is an issue of dealing with like poverty and those type of things that are these kind of ingrained um, economic issues that, deal, that people have to deal with and grapple with that lead to crime being a rational act. From his standpoint, what do you think that the mayor of Chicago can do? Meaning, what could a Lori Lightfoot have done in her time as mayor? And I know we have our guests. I'm just curious at this because I don't know the answer to it. What could she have done in her time as mayor to kind of cut down on some of the issues of crime and violence and gangs, et cetera, et cetera? Well, part of it is you have Kim Fox, who is, you know, the Cook County prosecutor, where they've even shown, especially on Tucker's program, when he did this deep dive into Chicago, how these guys are, it's like a revolving door. They come in, they get booked, and then they go right back out in the street. And granted, there's a a, a huge gang problem and what have you, but uh, Raymond Lopez also was very much against the whole slogan of defund the police, but he is very much for we need to allocate money to go to more social programs and stuff like that because another thing too, they shut down a very important hospital on the South Side that also was a part mental institution as we talked with Manila. And in Chicago, there's a lot of people where, you know, you know, because I think the closest one after that is like maybe in the middle of Illinois. I can't yeah, even think remember. about that. I mean, but like yeah. it's almost as if they don't care that people are going to need these services and everything else. Right. So it's like, yeah, we're going to shut this down. We don't really care that these people, especially people who are in the lower end of society, requires that stuff. That, that stuff has significant consequences. I mean, what if they don't have a car? But here's the thing, though, is they'll shut down all the social programs, but then you'll have all the cronies come and then they'll all be bidding on, on the part of land for Obama's new library. Yeah. And this is the problem, is that these people have no problem stealing from the people that actually need it, these Democrats. This has been a democratically run city as long as I've been alive, since the, you know, probably the the, the 20s, I want to say. And this is the problem, is they have no problem stealing from others and to help out their friends. For example, you had Mayor Daley, where he came in and he installed all these parking things, and it was supposed to be money that went back to the city. Oh, no, they found out it actually goes to his friend's company. Wow. And- they realized they, when they tried to cancel the contract, they couldn't. So all that money that was supposed to go back to Chicago that you ran on, you know, oh, no, no, it's going to be good for Chicago. This is what I'm saying is that people don't do their due diligence and they conveniently sweep stuff under the rug. Rahm Emanuel, the yeah. lit stuff. 
where Rahm Emanuel decides to do the test to determine whether or not lead is in water because of the Flint, Michigan thing. He finds that it is full of it and buries the report. Yeah. Lori Lightfoot comes in, continues to bury the report. All of them knew about it. All of these guys were Democrats. They didn't do squat about it. And one of the other things that Raymond Lopez even said during that time when this was leaked, because it was huge in Chicago, not anywhere else. Notice how like Joe and Mika and everybody else, they didn't pick this up. Um, Even like Mika even saying, we covered the Hunter Biden stuff, but we didn't make it a national headline because it just couldn't be verified then. Shut up. Okay. Shut up. Anyway, um, again, has had the same haircut for like 10 years. I don't trust her. Um, <laughs> but that's going to be my, my, my point. Um, but no, but he said, you know what? If we have nothing to hide, why don't we make our alderman chats public? Why don't we let the people hear this? And it's that's the other thing, too. And Republicans do the same, too. These little closed door meetings. Why don't you start going to your city council meetings? Why don't you ask him to publish these little conversations so that people can listen? Because I'm sure they'd hear a lot of stuff that they probably would be like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, who's getting the contract? And wait, they know so-and-so, you know, and that's, it's just all the corruption. So hats off to him. I hope he wins. And I think he is going to win because again, she can't fight him on the gay minority thing at all. Like you said, we cancel each other out. She's going to have to look at the issues and run on her record. And they don't want her in anymore because she's done nothing. If anything, she's made it worse. Wow. We will see. Hopefully we can cover that. Fault lines. Thomas. Franzak. Stay tuned. We're coming back with Tyler Nixon. Back in a moment. Fault lines. Lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. My name is Jamal Thomas. I'm joined with my co-host, Farron Franzak, coming to you live out of our station in Washington, D.C. If you happen to find yourself in the D.C. area, you can catch us on radio at 105.5 FM and 1390 AM. We're also kicking around in Kansas City at 102.9 FM and 104.7 FM. If you guys are digging with Farron and I are putting down whatever platform you're consuming this content on, give us a like and share that audio or video. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can do so with a chat, a tweet, and a course. You can reach us by phone at 202-521-1320. Your engagement helps make this show what it is, so definitely don't be shy. John Durham is still around, and John Durham is still putting out um, documentation and filing motions. So in the recent one, you basically have Clinton's lawyer, Clinton's campaign lawyer, a tech executive, joining together to basically spread misinformation about Trump and it being found in the text message. So right here, at the heart of the case is a September 2016 text message. Sussman, um, this is again Clinton's lawyer or the campaign lawyer, sent to then FBI general counsel James Baker, which was reproduced in Monday's filing. Quote, Jim, it's Michael Sussman. I have something time sensitive and sensitive I need to discuss, the lawyer wrote. Do you have the availability for a short meeting tomorrow? I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or a company. Want to help the Bureau? Thanks. Because he's just a great American. He just wants to help the Bureau. And, of course, that was a lie. I love that. I'm coming on my own. Oh, purely on my own. They're so no. dumb. They put it in writing. <laughs> he put it in writing. I'm coming on my own. And he wasn't. Even later on, even hitting the FBI on this stuff, the tech executive in question, of course, um, was getting information basically on Donald Trump. And they were trying to spread this Alpha Bank story that Trump was somehow working with the Russians. And of course, he was being pushed by the Clinton campaign as he did this, didn't tell the FBI, didn't tell the CIA. John Durham is still doing his work, God's work, as I would say it, filing these motions and making this stuff apparent. To have a conversation about it, we're joined with the one and only Tyler Nixon. He's counselor at law 
Army, infantry veteran, constitutional scholar, Republican, libertarian. Tyler, what's going on, my man? How you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm doing fabulous. Good to be back with you, you guys. Uh, I, I have to say, I mean, we can't just jump off of Laurie Lightfoot that quickly. I mean, if you're bashing Laurie Lightfoot. And you know what I was going to say, Tyler, that I told Jamaro on the break, I was like, I forgot to mention, I think Trump, if he really wants to play the game, because remember, Trump has a building in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I I would bet he'll come to Chicago and endorse. You um, think so? Oh, I think so. If, if just to be, just to really stick it to her, yeah. because Trump wanted to enact or send in the uh, National Guard to Chicago, and she kept saying no. Oh, right, right, right. But yeah, of the Tyler, violence. your take. Yeah, what's your what's your take on Chicago? You say pull up a chair, go for it. Well, first of all, I mean, uh, you know, Laurie Lightfoot. If you had, if there was any question that we're alone in, in the universe, you know, I mean, <laughs> this this woman. I mean, she, she and her, even her name, Laurie Lightfoot. It's like, yeah, yeah, and Beldar Conehead. Right. Um, I mean, she looks like she's straight from outer space for starters. Well, she's I mean, if show, you know, if Chicago. they say politics is, is sh- <laughs> if politics is show business for ugly people. This woman is on her way to a five, you know, to be a five time Academy Award winner. That's for sure. Oh, I don't want to talk about her looks. Look, I don't want to bash her appearance, even though she looks like a blowfish. Um, no, no. I look, I mean, I don't know what it is with like, these, uh, uh, <laughs> these mayoral the Tyler, whatever you want to say, but Lori Lightfoot, she has, attract- a, she has a huge penis, Tyler. Um, so there's that part. Oh, wow. Yeah. They, Cause they do call it Beetlejuice. That's pretty bad. There you go. <laughs> yeah. She's showing me a picture of them comparing. That's an insult uh, to Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. You kidding yeah. me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Tyler, go for it. Well, I just, I mean, look, I, I, I mean, Chicago was, was once a great town. Um, and I look, I'm a big fan of the Blues Brothers and, and of, you know, the Chicago Blues and you know, the old Maxwell Street and that kind of stuff. And, and just the it's it's gotten way out of control. And I just know what it is with these uh, these arrogant mayors that are elected. It's like they, they, they are worse than probably, I mean, some of the most uh, authoritarian politicians you'll find anywhere. I mean, uh, you know, in, in in the big cities, it's the worst. And it's like, why do people put up with this? I don't understand it. I don't get it. Seriously, why? I mean, what you say? Why do people do it? I think sometimes people just don't feel like they have a choice. Yeah, like, what, I mean, is, is you think it's just just straight corruption? They don't actually. They don't actually. I mean, it's just rigged. And and no matter what, they they win. Let's talk about it in the context of Democrats, then. So, for example, you would have people who are online right now, right now. Well, well, right. It's a similar context. But you would have people right now who would say, look, we need to put in more Democrats in order to help Joe Biden do X, Y, Z. And you make this point of like, well, look, if Joe Biden wasn't able to get his agenda accomplished and he's going to blame Manchin and Cinema, did he know that in advance? Was he lying when he was promising the $15 an hour minimum wage and all this other stuff? And if so, why should he get their support? Now, from the standpoint of Democrats framing of things, well, you just need to put in more Democrats. So that's kind of I guess that's what I'm getting at. Right. So. In some cases, some of these people believe there is no other option. I think the difference is, in this case, you have two Democrats going after each other, and Lori Lightfoot is going to have to stand on the record. I think that's the difference in this like very specific said, case. I'm gay, you're gay, I'm a minority, you're a minority. Yeah. Now, now, all that's left are the issues, and you haven't followed through. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's got a good shot, but, but I don't know. It's just, it, it's a morass. I mean, I remember back in Delaware, it was like, you know, I, I used to ask, because these uh, progressive Democrats would bash every single Republican, even the ones who were who, who were good on issues, you know, that that might be uh, appealed to some some progressive, uh, you know, hot button issues. And I said, 
you know, it was always, oh, oh, well, you know, what about these, uh, what about these reactionary Democrats that, you know, basically control the Democrat party in Delaware? And they're like, oh, well, we just need more and better Democrats. And I'm like, well, let me ask you this. I mean, what would you, when would you, at what point would you be happy? You know, I mean, and, and literally it was just like, okay, no, they just want every single position to be a Democrat. And look, I don't believe that. I mean, I think we need diversity uh, of ideas to have a, a functioning democracy. Um, but these big cities, I mean, and I'd believe me, coming from Wilmington, Delaware, tiny town that was absolutely dominated by one. It was one party rule. The only they had one Republican on on the city council only by the fact of virtue of it was it was mandated by, by the city charter. They had to have at least one, you know, person not from the uh, the main whatever you want to call it, the majority party. Um, and uh, I mean, the corruption was just out of control. I mean, I, I spent my early a career or, you know, say maybe 15 years ago, just constantly exposing the corruption and the arrogance of power. Um, and it, it <laughs> look, I'm not saying it's exclusively Democrat, excuse me, <clears throat> but obviously it tends to be that. I mean, I name me one big city anywhere in the country, or even medium sized city and anywhere in the country that's controlled completely by the Republican party and is a corruption machine. But, you know, you definitely get that across the country uh, with Democrat politicians. And look, I mean, it, there has to be, uh, you know, I guess I look, it, it's just, it's just sad. It's sad to see like a city in Wilmington, Delaware, for example, like was born and raised there. It is a charming city in terms of the infrastructure, the old buildings, the old, you know, architecture as a, a beautiful river running through it and all. And it has just been run into the ground by totally corrupt, uh, parasitic, uh, avaricious, uh, political cronyism, patronage, and arrogance um, to where they've driven business out of the city. It, it's turned into a completely crime-ridden, uh, you know what? Um, I mean, at one point, I think for a good 10 years, uh, Wilmington was the murder capital of the United States uh, per capita. I mean, I remember I, I tried to move to, uh, and sort of forge uh, my way into the downtown area where they had, a, you know, beautiful historic houses. I mean, I had lived in a three-story, six-bedroom uh, sort of uh, split, you know, townhouse deal that was built by for the ship's captains because it looked down over uh, onto the river, and where you know the the ships would come in in the port, and uh, you know it was it, some people say, oh, you're, you know, it was gentrification or whatever, but it wasn't. It was just people trying to restore what had been run down into, I mean, a seriously crime infested ghetto, and um, you know the, the the mayor's policies throughout that time. In most places like D.C., when when they would revitalize a neighborhood, it's it stays that way. And, and unfortunately, in Wilmington, the, the, the city's policies were so oppressive and so uh, just I mean, they had these these uh, like I mean, literally would send out swarms in these little white cars of like ticket writers who would just like write two tickets for everything. I mean, and I'm like, geez, you know, how about like give the homeowners a break here? I fought them on the uh, uh, the sidewalks. I mean, they didn't want to fix the sidewalks. They had been violating the charter for like 30 years, um, basically uh, claiming that homeowners had to fix the sidewalks, and it wasn't. It was in the charter that the city had to do it. Supreme Court rules against them. They were like, okay, fine, well, we're not going to do it, you know. And it, like literally took the position that you know, screw the city, screw the city, fine, you know, that's the way you want it, you know. We're not going to, and then tried to end run the city voters by going to the anyway, whatever. I mean, I've just I've been witness to this and it drove what was a you know budding sort of uh, economic development and growth that had happened in the city. And it and the government drove it out. And it's now just literally uh, it's a ghost town 
You know, even even the major uh, banks and so forth have pretty much left downtown. And it's sad because it's taken a beautiful sort of historic city and turned it into uh, a ghost town during during the, uh, you know, basically after five, if there's anybody left to do business down there, all this little shops and uh, stores have been driven out of the city. And, uh, it, and it's a shooting gallery at night otherwise. And within blocks of, you know, I mean, where people, you know, be strolling up and down the Market Street Mall. And you know this is this is this is Biden country for you. I I do want I want to pivot as you're talking and you say Biden country. We have not only this whole thing with Hillary Clinton, but we also have now this stuff going on with Hunter Biden with more emails coming out, especially showing Joe Biden putting in a recommendation for one of the Chinese businessmen that Hunter Biden was working with. I want you to take a quick listen to um, Jen Psaki responding to Peter Ducey, as we always say, who's doing God's work, um, and listen to what she had to say back to him. Let's roll tape. On another topic, was it common for President Biden to do favors for Hunter Biden's international business partners, like writing college recommendations for their kids? I have, I've seen the report. I have no confirmation or comment on a report about whether or not the president, when he was a private citizen, wrote a college recommendation letter for an individual. I, a college recommendation letter, though, from, uh, at the time, a former vice president would be a big deal. So do we know what the president might have gotten in return for doing a favor like that? Again, I have no a confirmation of any recommendation letter the president wrote when he was a private citizen, by the way, not uh, serving in public office. That's even the report. But he's the president now, and you're his spokesperson. Correct. And he was not the president at the time of this report. Uh, so there's evidence that the president at one point was office mates with Hunter and his brother Jim here in D.C. It's not accurate. That is not accurate. So when Hunter Biden is emailing a landlord, uh, please have keys made available for new office mates, Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Jim Biden. That you're disputing. They were not office mates, no. They were not office mates. Okay. Partners in crime, but not office mates for sure. <laughs> I was going to say, Tyler. Talk about the Jen, Jen Parsaki. Let's, you know, let's parse this sentence down to the, I mean, give me a break. Well, and, and Tyler, you're, you're a lawyer. Okay. You're a lawyer. It's there in writing. Give us a key for Joe Biden. The emails there about Joe Biden writing the recommendation and then even following up as, as Peter Ducey just said about getting his, um, you know, uh, apartment and all that stuff. I mean, come on. I mean, in, in a court of law, is this not like damning? Oh my God! I mean, first of all, God bless Peter Ducey. Didn't didn't that that pustule Colbert call for him to be kneecapped or something like that? I mean, like honestly, I mean, uh, yeah, no. But they're not about violence, though. They don't promote violence, right? I mean, he's right, you know. But Ducey's right on. He nails the issues, and this is absolutely. I mean, this is where. I don't know. I think you know. It's, it it comes back to as I said when the Clintons, Clinton ooze you know, seeped its way into Washington. I mean, you could catch them red handed, like with, you know, literally it, it, just like this, you know, and actually confront with them. And you're supposed to believe these like denials. You're supposed to believe uh, this sort of the, the persnickety spokesperson standing up there and, and basically lying to your face or repeating the lie or trying to sort of, you know, you know, the definition of is is kind of answers to you. Um, and this is what has people so fed up. And frankly, um, you know, this is why in the when the grand jury in Wilmington, Delaware, asked apparently to know, uh, you know, who, or the question was put to them, you know, who is the big guy? The idea that Hunter Biden is going to be able to somehow be, uh, you know, walled off from Joe Biden, 
uh, as far as the the uh, you know the extent of corruption, as though as though Hunter Biden on his own you know would warrant these uh, in treatments to for influence and these massive deals and so forth, is just is laughable. And and you know it would it will take special counsel. I mean, and, and you know it's funny because they they you know <laughs> at the same time as the Hunter Biden thing is heating up, you have this you know sort of Durham Durham also starting to make moves to really piece it together in a legal sense to show it wasn't just a lawyer lying to the FBI about who he was representing. I mean, this was a conspiracy. It was a wide conspiracy, and it involved and it and you know it goes right back to the Dragon Lady Hillary Clinton. Um, and, you know, it's the same kind of politics and Biden's, just a, you know, is sort of a more shanty Irish, cheaper version of it um, and a more grubby version, frankly, um, you know, but either way, it's it's this idea that they can just lie to your face. You're going to have to accept it. And I guess we'll see if Merrick Garland, uh, you know, how much protectionism. I know the Clintons have like these sort of diehard apparatchiks, you know, that it'll just go to go down in flames with them. And it's, it's almost like a cult. Biden is just not well-received, well-liked enough, whatever. He's a puppet. He's a uh, sort of, he was a front man that just helped him get rid of Trump. And now he's just sort of, you know, shuffling along. I mean, the, the, the display that happened the other day in the, uh, I guess the uh, East Room, whatever it was, was so sad. I, I actually You're felt sad Obama. for, for yeah, Joe. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. Yeah, when, when he was trying to get his attention, I mean, he looked so pained in his face. I mean, just from a human perspective. I mean, Biden's a monster. I have no, I don't really, I think he's horrifying He's been a parasite, uh, you know, who was in politics for 50 years too long, frankly, should have never left the county council in 1972 and or never risen above that, I should say. Old man that was way out of his depth. Um, wandering oh, it around was the so room. sad. Yeah, it was he just so he, sad. It was like no one. Yeah, no one was paying attention to Why him. Why do you think they did that? I mean, is this an indication? Farron and I were talking about this earlier today, and she was kind of making this point about, hey, maybe this is their way of like like tangibly getting across that Biden is on the outs. Like that this is like he's a liability, whether it's from Hunter or whether it's from just complete chaos in regards to the administration not getting anything accomplished. Do you think this is their way of basically saying, look, your polling is in a toilet. Kamala Harris is no better. It is time for you to take an exit. And this is kind of visually, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like um, a living picture of it in the way that that unfolded. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was conscious necessarily. I mean, I think Obama came in and there, and what it is is Joe Biden has never been liked. I mean, nobody who likes Joe Biden, who is a big Joe Biden fan out of, who really, really is like, this is my man. No, nobody likes him, and he's even less likable than he was when he was an arrogant blowhard, big mouth back in the day. Now he's just a cranky old irascible, uh, you know, annoying kind of weird, uh, bizarre old man. And he never had anybody that really liked him. Nobody ever, you know, gravitated around Joe Biden. He was always the constant self-promoter and opportunist. And this is just a reflection of that. I mean, it's just back to the default as soon as a a brighter star comes into the room, in the case of Obama. I love that. Would you say back to default the moment that a brighter star comes into the room? Um, one last thing before we um close, and this is the John Durham stuff that we kind of brought you on for. What do you think about this? I mean, at the end of the day, Durham is basically making the point of saying, look, these guys were working together in this cabal to basically ding Trump, even to the point of spying on Trump, even to the point of compiling this information on him. There's even this thing that came out, Daily Mail. Is this Daily Mail? Yeah, right. Exclusive whistleblower who handed Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop to congressman in DailyMail.com reveals he has 450 gigabytes of deleted materials, including 80,000 images and video. He fled to Switzerland, um, fearing um, retaliation by the White House. 
either way, it seems that this stuff is basically getting aired now. Um, how far do you think this is going to go from the standpoint of Durham? And is it, I got to be honest, for the scale of the Clinton stuff that took place, that basically sigh up, this does seem paltry to me. I mean, how do you view this? I mean, it doesn't seem like it's enough. And it, the scale of it seems to be very minimum compared to the gravity of those events that basically took place from the standpoint of Russiagate. Is Durham just getting started? Or is this the best that we're going to get? What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's one of those. Yeah, no. It, well, it's tough because, first of all, there's no admissions on of anybody who we all know are culpable of, of this conspiracy. You know, the Russian collusion. They, they won't come off it. So it's like Durham has almost no choice but to keep driving forward. Because, look, I mean, if you're not going to admit to it, or you're not going to cop to anything. I have to keep I have to keep going. And, you know, and he has to keep proving their lies. Well, they got him a text message. Like lying to the FBI on text message. Yeah, I know. It's it's exactly, and they keep de- they keep denying it. And he's got he's got this trove, I'm sure, of data that he's going to keep you know bringing out. I don't know. Maybe he's just being methodical about it, and and he's like laying very 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 uh, clever traps in the sense that it's like you know, a prosecutor. He, this guy's going to come out and deny that he ever said, and then suddenly, oh look, well, these text messages, and, I, and you know, it could it could go on for a long time. I mean, I think maybe Hillary has been rumbling about how, you know, there's rumblings how she's going to run in 2024. You know, she's going to come in and try to save, save the uh, Democrat party from Biden, I guess. And I don't know. I, you know, Durham seems to me to be a very methodical guy. I think he's met up against a lot of resistance, but he's, he's now, I think, broken through the wall and he's starting to make some headway and it could really bode ill. Although I tell you what, um, I think the, uh, the Clinton's, the Clinton crime syndicate, uh, they're far more loyal in terms of they're going to, you know, keep that, keep it that uh, that's a tight ship and it will go down in, in total. So it makes it more difficult. Whereas I think if Hunter Biden was facing prison time, he would sell Joe down the river in 10 seconds. You kidding me? No, no, no chance he's going to go to prison for his 80 year old. Especially if you watch who is Hunter Biden, you sh- they show how he has a very love hate relationship with his father. Yeah. And it's I, I totally agree. I think he'd sell his own dad down the river. Oh, wow. That is. Grim, that is grim. We got Tyler? 30 seconds. Oh, I, I've said before, they're political animals and then they're they're just basically bloodless. I mean, uh, you know, and it comes down to, I mean, frankly, Hunter, uh, he, would have, he would have every good reason to. Why would he protect, why would he protect Joe? I mean, what is Joe? I mean, Joe put him in this position. Tyler, 10 seconds. Your thought on Joe Biden wandering around with Obama ignoring him. Oh, well, that's what, what I was saying. I thought it was just absolutely, it was sad and pathetic, but it, it is the writing on the wall. I mean, it really goes to show you all you need is just someone uh, slightly. I mean, look, I mean, like I said, Joe Biden was never well liked by anybody. And and that remains today. Thanks, yeah, Tyler. Brightest star walks into the Great room. Great to hear your voice. I'm counselor at law, Army infantry veteran, constitutional scholar, Republican libertarian, Tyler Nixon. You guys are listening to Fault Lines. Thomas Franzak. Back in a moment. Fault Lines. Live from the divided states of America, precipitously perched at the edge of this resilient and exploited globe, welcome to your context lens for the American perspective. In the left corner, I'm your ever-vigilant, your indefatigable political analyst, Suchamaral Thomas. And in the ladies' corner, my trolls call me Moscow Mary, but I'm your pierogi princess, journalist extraordinaire, American Aaron Franzak. That means, more likely than not, you are listening to Fault Lines with Thomas and Franzak. 
So we're gonna have a fun little we're gonna have a fun little game at 9:30. We're gonna play Who Was It That Got Cancelled? Yes. And some of the reasons that these people got cancelled, particularly this year and and some years prior, are kind of hilarious. Yes. When and, you look and at the, very pathetic in some situations. Today. I mean, honestly, this is kind of one of those things. I think I made the argument the other day, even though I specifically like the fact that Elon Musk is more on the free speech side and everything gets getting into Twitter. If we are dependent on billionaires for free speech, we are already screwed. And the fact that these people have been canceled like this left and right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there has been a trend at some point. I strongly hope there's a turn of the worm because I fear greatly what this means for any level of a democracy, democratic society. When you're just able to, yeah, we don't like that you said that. So canceled and not just canceled. We're going to eliminate you from the social media space on top of that, which is what has been happening to people who basically have had points of view that Twitter didn't particularly like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's that. But let's do this. Let's get into the headlines. National News. Special counsel John Durham published evidence indicating former Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman allegedly. Is it really allegedly at this point? Lied to the FBI in writing. <laughs> that is, his Trump-Russia, quote-unquote, research had not been made for the Clinton campaign. Sussman allegedly wrote for the FBI general counsel, James Baker, in September 2016, quote, quote, do you have availability for a short meeting tomorrow? I'm coming on my own, not on behalf of a client or a company. Want to help the Bureau? Thanks. That's all. Just a great American. That's all. That's all I am. Just a great American giving you dodgy, bogus information in which I am lying to you about a connection between Trump and Russia. Great American. Think of the damage that they've created. Honestly, honest to God, think of the damage that that PSYOP that they basically ran, not just on the FBI or for that matter, not just on the CIA, but on the American public as a whole. Think about basically the positioning that it gave us. We're in or the negotiations are taking place right now between Ukraine and Russia. Now, the U.S., let's be clear, plays a heavy role in that because of their influence on Zelensky. How do we have any kind of conversation on this notion of a world order in the way that we are basically positioned with this kind of psyop floating in our heads on this idea that Russia had somehow something to do with getting Trump elected? And the fact that the Democratic Party basically accepts that whole cloth, despite it being bogus at this point, what effect does it have not just on the population in regards to dealing with the foreign power of Moscow, but for that matter, what effect does it have on Democrats that are in those negotiations? Does it make it that much more difficult to come to an agreement and have the public basically back that agreement, or does it make it easier? And I think the answer is obvious. It makes all of that stuff that much more difficult. And the fact that it didn't exist, that it didn't happen, the media ran with it for three years, yeah, it's appalling, and it has larger geopolitical consequences. Um, that we're dealing with right now. It is not a minor thing, and it is not a minor point what was taking place. And this investigation by Durham, I'm sorry, doesn't by any stretch of the imagination go far enough. Maybe this is just the beginning. And in the way Tyler said, he may be a methodical investigator in the way he's putting out one piece of data after the next. But I got to be honest, if you think about it, you had multiple aspects of government involved, meaning you had the CIA involved, you had the FBI involved, you had James um, Comey, telling the president what was going on, then immediately leaking it to the press. And because it was Comey, hey, FBI director is briefing the president with us. So clearly it has to have some level of significance off to the races, off to the races. It's hard to undermine or underestimate or under account for the consequences of what Clinton did purely for her own selfish reasoning 
won, trying to win the race, and at the point where the race was lost, trying to tar the president that is coming into office. It is a big, big, big deal that we shouldn't necessarily um, ignore. Even this notion of destroying the legitimacy of the incoming president. For whatever Donald Trump did from the standpoint of January 6th and the election and everything else and not wanting to own up to it, let's just be very clear. What started him off on that was the fact that that was done to him. It delegitimized Trump as a president. It made it look as if his win, beating the stuffing out of Hillary Clinton, was somehow helped and assisted by the Russians. Meaning he didn't win on his own steam in a way that a typical president would. He was basically assisted. Yeah, it's a big deal. And like I said, the Durham investigation in no way is going far or fast enough, at least not for me. Let's keep going. The U.S. Senate passed a Lend-Lease bill on Wednesday that would provide Ukraine with weapons and supplies in the fight against the Russian military. We also have Texas Governor Greg Abbott said Texas will send illegal immigrants to the U.S. Capitol by bus so that the Biden administration could deal with the influx in the United States as a result of the open border policy. Abbott signed the policy Wednesday and said 900 charter buses have been assembled. Wow, for the operation. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. If I remember correctly, the border had jumped on nearly 600% or something like that. The numbers were astonishing. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says the administration is sticking to its assertion that President Joe Biden never spoke to his son, Hunter Biden, about his overseas business deals. In 2019, then-former Vice President Joe Biden claimed he never talked to his son about his business dealings. And yet, we have emails from those laptops that indicate on some level that that's not necessarily true. Even the New York uh, Washington Post at this point is, quote-unquote, verified. Verified. What has been known for (coughs) over a year now. Hours from now, the Senate is expected to confirm Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court. Her confirmation as the first black woman on the Supreme Court was assured on Monday when Republican Senators Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney, Susan Collins of Maine pledged their support. This now gives Democrats a cushion of 53 to 47. In international news, G7 countries have issued a lengthy statement condemning Russia's invasion of Ukraine and calling for it to be suspended from the UN Human Rights Council. The G7 countries are Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, and the UK and the United States. How weird, it's basically NATO nation. The United States slapped new sanctions on Russia targeting Russian banks and politicians, including Putin's children, because that's totally what needs to be done, and banning new investments into the country. This latest round of sanctions comes in response to allegations that the Russian military carried out mass executions in the city of Bucha near Kiev, something that Russia basically says is not true, and there are all sorts of questions around. They also went after coal shipments, which, you know, you have people who are basically screaming now, this is all shipments from the standpoint of oil, gas, energy, etc. needs to stop. From our understanding, at the very least what I've read um, this morning, it was Germany that was pushing against, or at the very least to push the coal thing to a month, uh, meaning it's not necessarily going to take place immediately. This is very interesting. We're going to see how far Europe is willing to go with this um, and the consequences of it. The New York Times reports its verification of an online video that shows a group of Ukrainian soldiers killing captured Russian troops in the vicinity of Bucha, near the capital of Kiev. The video posted shows the killing of wounded Russian soldiers along with three more dead Russian soldiers with their hands tied behind their backs and a white band on their arms surrounded by bloodstains. Now, again, as we kind of made the point about the Bucha issue, look, it is clear that a Ukrainian military that is basically losing a conflict will have an incentive in order to try to drag in more Western support to to get more sanctions on Russia. And yeah, to up the ante in regards to trying to get outside support, considering they don't necessarily have enough gusto to win it on their own. It's 
So yes, there are questions around this. You should not immediately just jump to the Western conclusion of what is taking place on the ground. The Ukrainian military has a clear incentive to be responsible for this. Scientists from Earth are preparing a new message for aliens that would include a great deal of mathematical and biological data about humans. The message will include math equations and some DNA sequences in contrast to the message first sent to space in 1974 that only included binary code and some images of the solar system. Is that wise, sending DNA information out into space with the hopes that aliens are going to get their hands on that? All right, we'll see. In business news, Deutsche Bank economists forecast the American economy might face a recession by the end of next year because of the Federal Reserve's decision to raise interest rates. The economists expect the Fed to raise the rate by 0.5% for the next three meetings and eventually take it to 3.5% by the middle of 2023. Now, understand the reason they're doing this is to deal with record levels of inflation. And the point is, I mean, Mark Frost has even made this point clear himself, that on some level, you're going to have to accept, let's say, the consequences from the standpoint of job losses and everything else in order to get inflation under control. Look, we'll see what happened. This was always going to be somewhat messy. In a crazy story, we have Jared Leto was so committed to playing a character with chronic pain that he likely became a chronic pain to his crew members. Daniel Esposito, the director of Leto's latest performance of Morbius, or Mobius, yeah, Morbius, uh, this uh, vampire, vampiric character from Marvel, confirmed that the star, who is totally capable of walking and notorious for being an unnecessarily over-the-top method actor, was pushed to and from the bathroom in a wheelchair every time he needed to relieve himself. Leto plays Morbius, the latest Marvel Cinematic Universe, who essentially turns himself into a vampire when he finds a cure for a rare blood condition that renders him disabled due to chronic pain. The character uses crutches, but since it took Leto so long to get to and from the bathroom, the crew decided to wheelchair him there to save some time. Method actors are astonishing um, in what the other crew members have to deal with. If I'm not mistaken, Heath Ledger was doing this stuff. There was somebody else that was doing the method acting that people had to deal with, like these kind of weird psychological things that they, they were just staying in character the entire time. Yeah, that stuff is so weird. Um, but, you know, they do their thing right. It is a, in a new, hey, okay, I hate this story, but well, I'll talk about it. It's a new Guinness Book of World Records. A Texas seven-year-old was dubbed the youngest professional mariachi singer in the get by Guinness Book of World Records. A seven-year-old, Mateo Lopez, got to start singing along with mariachi bands at local restaurants when he was four years old, and his skills have since led to appearances on Mexico's Got Talent, Little Big Parents, or Little Big Shots. Parents Alberto and Janelle Lopez took their son to Milan, Italy, in February, and they did not tell him until arriving that the purpose of the trip was to receive a Guinness Book of World Records certificate. Guinness said the boy officially earned at the age of four. Look, we have people, we have people, when we have family get-togethers, like these kind of family reunions or just family get-togethers, where they would say, okay, little Jerome, go out there and just sing. And I'm always like cringing at that because little Jerome is never as good of a singer as their parents think. He's never as cute as they believe, and he's never as talented as they try to make out. It is their kid, and they love their kid, so they're that. I don't know this kid's skill, to be bluntly honest, but the fact that he's four years old is not... You know what? Congratulations to him. I'm just going to say congratulations to that kid. In holiday news, we have National Beer Day. We have National Alcohol Screening Day. I guess those things go together quite well. We have National Burrito Day and National Dirty House Day. No housework day. Today in history, in 1896, the modern Olympics began in Athens. That's awesome. 
1909, two Americans became the first men to reach the North Pole. Again, also awesome. Why do you go? Because it is there. That's why. Reason why we climb mountains or go into space. In 1933, low alcoholic beer became legal in the United States. Okay, fair enough. In 1963, Jack Nicholas first Masters victory at the age of 23. Think about that. 23 years old. In 2001, NASA launched the Mars Odyssey spacecraft with Reach Mars in October. Those are your headlines. You guys are listening to Fault Lines. Thomas, run back. So we're going to be taking calls. 202-521-1320. 202-521-1320. And then at 930, we're going to play Who Got Canceled? Now, this is going to be going through like the past five years or so. So you don't have to like dig deep on a lot of this. Do you think that trend is going to change? Like, I sure hope it Because this wasn't normal. I mean, this wasn't the case under normal circumstances. Like, this feels like this is some new, weird reality we got into that because we have tools available to get rid of people that we just are perfectly, okay, we're getting rid of people. It's just very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, now, and- I will say some of these, honestly, some of them are stupid as to why these people got canceled. But then some of them, I'm like, yeah, you should be canceled. <laughs> <laughs> just depends you on what it is, sure right? You should be canceled. Yeah. But so- it shouldn't be something stupid like, oh, this person made a joke that was in, um, inappropriate. And so we need to get rid of this person and cancel this person. Or even, um, what's her name? The one that did Harry Potter, where they're like, oh, she's transphobic, so she needs to be canceled. Are you people insane? Just because somebody have a different point of view doesn't necessarily mean they're entirely wrong. Points of view are often subjective. And uh, look, there may be a range of those points of view, but within the subjectivity of it, you can't necessarily take this maximalist position that they're wrong and they need to be canceled, et cetera, et cetera. I think this is a horrible precedent that we've ended up in. Well, you're going to see which ones... um Deserved. Pretty stupid, and others, like I said, there's one in particular where I was like, it, it was, it's the dumbest reason to get canceled, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, you should have been canceled. Jeffrey Tubin. Nope. Oh. No, and he he technically didn't really get canceled because he's back on the air. That's true. So should he have been canceled for that? Hell yeah. Really? Even though it was a mistake. Yeah, I don't want to see your dangling on a Zoom call. It was a mistake. You couldn't even wait two minutes. He had an urge. He had an urge, and I'm just saying, and. I'm being somewhat joking when I'm saying he had an urge because clearly say, he did have, have an urge. I fever and the only right. <laughs> right. He's like, I've always thought it was more cowbell, but. He was like, I need, I need to get this, I don't know, something. I, look, yes, I get it, right? Dude, you can you wait five minutes Zoom after a Zoom call? And, you, and mind you, you're already sitting there like pantless. So like, you flipping weirdo. Wait, he didn't have any pants on in well, the Zoom he, call? He basically like had him down. Yeah. Or oh, during the entire call? Or underwear or something like that. But yeah. It's like, sir. I guess my thought is, is there any sympathy for there being this kind of COVID period where people are all of a sudden forced to do this stuff at home? And because they're forced to do this stuff at home, you get these kind of weird, inappropriate situations. Like normally he might have been on the the telephone and he might have, you know, nobody would have known that Jeffrey had his little tube out and he was touching it as he was on the phone with the other people from work. And so, but in this situation, (laughs) now we have a Zoom, right? (laughs) At least people know, right? It's like, okay, Zubin likes to touch himself. (laughs) For example, there was another reporter where he was on Zoom and he was a national correspondent and he was sitting there in his underwear and mind you, the camera guy didn't think to Zoom in closer, but you could see him in his boxers and it's like, you couldn't even put like sweatpants on. And I did a number of Zoom meetings, you know, and Zoom interviews and stuff while COVID was going on. Yeah. And I'd have like a nice shirt on, but then I'd have like sweatpants. I've had sweatpants on. Because for me, it, it's too. But this guy was sitting in his underwear. It's like you couldn't even put pants on. That's always unsettling to me because it's like you're still doing a video. And to me, I still need to have this idea in my head of, hey, you're doing a show. 
there's an audience that you need to be comfortable with. And sitting there in my underwear talking to the audience, even if they can't see it, is not a comfortable thing. It just feels weird. And not to mention, what if there's a mishap and they happen to see it? Like, hello. There was. Exactly. Little tubing. Well, well, I'm talking even with this reporter. The other guy. I've even seen the camera guy didn't zoom in and it was like, come on. I've even seen one where the person was like on a Zoom call and a guy, not their husband, comes walking out the No, it's the other way around. It was a woman on the, a guy on the call and a woman, not his wife, comes walking in from the shower in the background. That's what I mean. Like, this is like, these are I will say, normal. my favorite one, though, was you had the guy where the one little baby comes in and it's like, yeah. and then <laughs> right. you see the nanny come in and she's like grabbing it and she's like crawling, trying to. <laughs> That's there what I mean. some great zooms or like the, the one judge yeah. where he's like, I swear I'm not a cat. When right. it was the cat was face. The cat yeah. yeah, so there have been some great goofs and gaps, but... I guess that's my feeling. Is there any sympathy for the new environment that we all of a sudden had to get accustomed to and that there could be some dramatically bad, let's say, mishaps in that new environment? I don't know. Like you said, Tubin is back, though. Um, so, yeah, technically, I guess he wasn't canceled. You guys are listening to Fault Lines. Thomas, Franzak. Taking your calls. Back in a moment. And she's right. Taking two your two. calls. 521 Two zero. Fault lines. Fault lines. Welcome back to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. My name is Jamal Thomas. I'm joined with my co-host, Farron Franzak, coming to you live out of our station in Washington, D.C. And we are taking your calls. The number is 202-521-1320. I was reading some mail on one of our guests. Um, it was a guest that I actually like because we were basically fighting. Um, but by the same token, let's do this. Let's take your calls. We have David in New York City. Mark, if you want to call back, feel free to do so. David, NYC. What's going on, David? Hi. Yes, um, I have a, a, a disagreement on, on one on, on what seems to be the prevailing view on that the Republicans are going to sweep in the midterms. Oh, go for it. Go for it. Yeah. Let me give two. Uh, I'll counter it on on two two uh, two issues or two two areas. First is well, first is what makes you. Uh, I, I agree. Biden's been a disaster. I think most people in the country agree that Biden's been a disaster. But what what makes anyone think the Republicans do any better on things like inflation or, or, or foreign policy or what have you? Dave, it's not that I think the Republicans are going to do better. It's that I think the American public is put in a situation where they're stuck between two parties. And when one screws up, they bounce to the other. There's, there's, no, there's no clear reason why you should expect suddenly it, 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 it flipped to, to a better situation. Nobody, again, David, nobody is arguing, at least I'm not, that Republicans are going to be better in regards to what they do. I am arguing, basically, that because Democrats have been so bad. Because are so stupid that, that they're, they're simply going to switch because uh, it's bad, and even though they know it's not going to be any better. Well, why would they switch otherwise? I mean, think about it. When Obama was in office, you had 30 percent of people go from Obama to Trump. 30 percent, which is the thing that basically put Trump over the finish line. Nancy Pelosi, listen to her when she was talking about when Trump won. She was like, hey, eventually the people will come back. You get two parties. That's it. And you have a certain contingent of people who get sick of Democrats and say, I am done with this. I'm tired of this. They're not getting my vote. And then when you get those people, what happens? The and Republic- again, as Roger Stone has said, it's easier to, to hate than to love. So if it's much easier for the other side to point out, look at the party that you voted exactly. for, they're not doing what you want. You should hate them and love us. 
hate is more of a driver at the polls than love is. You know, you're not going to be like, oh, the Democrats are doing everything I want. So I'm going to I love them so much. I'm going to go out and vote for them again. No, hate is a driver more than love. Okay, let me get to my second counter. My second counter is demographics. Okay, let's look at three demographics. Low income voters. Uh, are they really going to vote Republican and, and have, have their benefits cut, which Republicans will surely do and everybody knows it? Or uh, let's talk about women voters who care about abortion restrictions. Will, will, will they really vote Republican just because they hate Biden and, and, and risk uh, losing on, on that issue that's important to them? Let's talk about gay voters. Well, gay voters is obvious. Gay voters will never vote Republican. Okay, look, look at the, what's happening in Republican states. So the demographics. But the, the, the demographics don't can Trump, Trump is the wrong word, but can, can override the, the, the issues of, of inflation and, and, and uh, uh, lack of, of, of liking of Biden. But, but, but beyond that, so the, uh, the demographics haven't changed. Okay, next, next, but the main, my main point, which is the earlier point, is what's the Republican platform anyway? Do you even know? No, I don't. But again, it's uh, not actually I do. I do know it. And actually, this is one thing where I will do. I, the only time I will agree with Hillary Clinton on messaging Republicans, they are the law and order candidate. They want to establish judges that are all about law and order, as well as county prosecutors. They want to lower your taxes and they want to kick out the Democrats. Those are probably the four things. Oh, and close the border. Th- th- those are the things that you always heard Trump say. Law and order. Shut down the border. And America first. Those were the three things I remember Trump saying over and over and over again. Hillary Clinton, it was, I'm a woman, stand with me. And Trump is horrible. Mm-hmm. And Trump is bad. I mean, but look, David, I don't think the issue is that you're going to get low-income voters going towards Republicans. I think the issue is those people get so fed up with the political process that they have a tendency to either not vote or stay home. I think that's the danger for Democrats. Like, think of the number of African-American voters that have gotten so fed up. I've had family members who would say, I am sick of the Democratic Party. And it wasn't that they're going to vote for a Republican. It was just, I'm just not going to show up. It's that. That's the issue that Democrats have more so to worry about. People just not showing up. Yes, demographically. If those people went out to vote, fair enough. But how did Trump get elected? And even from the standpoint of doing Donald Trump around the second time, he increased his numbers among African-Americans and Hispanics. Well, he, he, he was, uh, it was a personality thing. Just in the same way that Hillary was hated, Trump, Trump was a likable person. Likeable, like, uh, and that, that plays a role. Yes. It matters. Uh, I don't think he was likable, actually. He lost the female vote big time. But the one thing that you said, for example, is like, oh, these demographics aren't going to change. Actually, I disagree with that. I know more gay people now that vote Republican than they do Democrat, but they're not going to tell you. And here's why. They're over. They have gay marriage. Gay marriage is a law. Okay, it's a law in every state. This isn't a state by state issue anymore. The Ted Cruz's and the very, very evangelical congressmen and senators, I think personally they're outliers now. You have my generation, Jamaro's generation, and even the younger ones where it's almost even more so to be, oh, I'm bisexual or I'm this or I'm that. And I feel like Republicans who keep harping on the biblical stuff, they're kind of getting pushed out. What a lot of the younger generations want is, hey, I don't want to pay a lot of taxes, but if I do pay taxes, I want to see that the money is actually going somewhere and it's helping my community, which is basically, honestly, 
platform a lot of Republicans have, have always kind of been on and ran on. It's just that you had all these Republicans in the 80s and 90s trying to make sure that they got that evangelical vote. So they had to do the anti-gay and um, pro-life and all that other stuff. But there are people changing and people don't vote on social issues, David. Now, especially with people, as Jamaro said in the, at the seven o'clock hour, you're going to have American families paying about five to $10,000 more because of a war in Ukraine that we're not part of. Mind you, Republican Senator Joe Kennedy is like, we need to win this war. Who's we? I thought we weren't in this war. One. But two, you're going to have American families. They're not going to care about gay marriage right now, or they're not going to care about pro-life and pro-choice. They're going to care about, can my kid eat tonight? Can my school teach my kids what they're supposed to teach? Because the schools are, are bursting at the seams and you have schools that are run down and teachers that are quitting because they're not getting paid enough. That's what they're going to care about. These social issues right now are, are going to be completely on the back burner because again, people want to be able to have the money to pay for to make sure that their kids have a good life, to make sure that they're leaving their kids something better. And right now, the generation, my generation, Jamal's generation, we can't leave our kids anything. And my, my parents, my parents' generation lucked out, but, but the rest of us, we're not going to be able to leave our kid. We can't leave them in an apartment here, right? Take over my, take over my lease, grandchild. We can't leave them anything. And for the first time in American history, this is kind of happening. And again, they're not the gay marriage, the pro-choice stuff. That's not going to be a big deal in 2022 and 2024. It's what have you done for me lately? And how can you make my life better? Because with two years of Joe Biden, you've made my life worse when you promised it was going to get better. What are your thoughts, David? Thanks for the call. Oh, thank you, my man. <laughs> I, look, I think that's a fair point, right? I mean, it, there's sometimes where you get an, an election on social issues. Let's say like um, You have Duncan. those outliers where there's so going to be one, one, one issue voters. Economics, when you're getting inflation going through the roof like this and these guys are talking about a recession, I'm telling you, like Clinton used to say, it's the economy stupid. It's the economy stupid. It's the economy stupid. And just like what Larry Fine said in the chat, it's the economy stupid. Yeah. Oh, he did? Somebody uh -huh. else said that too? Yeah, it's the economy. I mean, yeah. they're going to be, especially I mean, when we're having a conversation about $5,000 that you got to pay extra just for an American family in general. Folks. They're going to care about that. That's a big deal. I, I went to CVS yesterday. Tampons, gone. Not even your generic brand. Gone. Just like Band-Aids, aspirin. Shelves are empty. That is going to, but, but I'm going to stand there and say, but you know what though? What about Roe v. Wade? They're going to overturn that. No, they're not going to care, about, care about Roe v. Economics. Wade. Yeah. They're looking at their shelf and saying, where is it? And oh my God, if it's not here, I got to go to Amazon and like I, what I had to do and do the same day shipping and I paid an arm and a leg for it. So when Jin Saki says, hey, you got to pay for our values, in this case, you got to pay for not having tampons. Well, then you buy my tampons, honey. Yep. Yep. Because that's, that, it's, it's not my value anymore. Yeah. We don't have the same values. Yeah, we don't have do. the same values. And the fact, God, I love that statement. That statement is so on point. Because what, you buy my tampons? No, well, <laughs> well that one too. <laughs> but, more so, but more so, the... You got to pay for our values. I mean, that's such a slap in the face of a statement. It's like, whose values are these, Jen? And is it really the values of just the regular American who's just trying to live their life to actually pay more? Or for that matter, to have famines in other parts of the world just because you want to get Ukraine in the U.S. orbit? Is it really worth that much? Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, no, I don't think, you know, um, yeah, the tampon stuff. Yeah, agree. I mean, you shouldn't have to pay for that, right? That shouldn't but, have but to be. But it's not even going to be that. You know, it's 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 even aspirin. Like I even said, the other the other in the in the pharmacy. Like band aids. No band aids. Yep. No bandages. And I'm not talking that you had to go to the generic band. There was nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And again, you have all of this going on. The last thing people are going to honestly care about. Again, gay marriage. That's a federal law now, so that's fine. But they're 
they use the social issues to divide you, to make you angry. However, what's making people angry now is the economy and that we don't have people in office that are looking at this with the, 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 the eyes of, of an intelligent human being. You know, yesterday you had these oil executives on the Hill yesterday testifying. And the whole thing was, is, well, you guys could lower the price. You guys could lower the price. Trying to put it on the oil executives. Yeah. And yes, they are partially to blame, but it's also because there's a war going it's like, on. It's all Putin's fault. It's all the oil executives' fault. It's and your policies. That's it's a, right. It's an energy war. Yeah. But they're going to now blame it on the micro when there's a macro problem. And by the way, they chose this. Yes. These were choices. And they continue to choose yeah. it because they continue to keep giving money. We just gave $20 million to Moldova. Okay, $20 million could make sure that the one in six kids that go to bed hungry every night have something to eat. Yes, we don't care about that. But what the hell is, what, what has Moldova done for us? Honestly, exactly. Dead air. Dead air. <laughs> Dead air. Dead air. Um, and yeah, I mean, even the money we've been sending to Ukraine, like that's such a slap in the face. I mean, if you're in D.C., you can see all of these homeless people. If you're in California, shanty towns. Like, like legitimate shanty towns. When I was in Egypt, I remember this guy told me, he says, man, I was in California and I was shocked at the number of people that were homeless. I just couldn't believe that you guys would have that. Like, because in his head, the city on his hill, that doesn't factor in. No, it's a shining city on a tent. I would say that at the very least, the idea that you're going to send all of that money outside of this country when you have all of these things that are taking place in the country is astonishing to me. And from the standpoint of the American public that is getting hit with that, like I said, my mom didn't make $15 an hour, something that Biden promised that he was going to do when he got in office. She didn't make that. She made much less than that. And it's like borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. What happens when she has to pay $5,000 more over the yeah. course of the year? And again, haven't even priced in the war yet. This is the COVID. This is the um, supply chain. This is that part. Now you're going to price in, you know, um, um, all of these supply chain breaks or shortages that are kind of coming about. The increase in the cost of food and whatnot they were going to hit it's with the increase in gas. It's can't blame COVID anymore because COVID's ending. They cannot blame COVID anymore. So no. blame Putin. You know, even original old gringo says it. Flint, Michigan still needs clean water. Right there. But we got money from Moldova, baby. Got money from Moldova. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Obama drunk the water, basically... I mean, the slap in the face to all of those people in the audience, there was an audible gasp when he did that. And it wasn't a gasp because, whoo, Obama, it wasn't that. It was, I can't believe Obama is basically using us like this to score a political point, like completely undermining the concern and fear that we have of our kids bathing and, in lead water or drinking lead water. And knowing that it's a town, a city, mainly dominated with a black population. Right there. And he's a black president. Right there. Doing, hoodwinking him. Right there. We voted for this black guy because we thought he was going to be different. And now he is basically um, um, mocking us in the way that he's doing this. No, it's a big deal. It's not a minor point, to put it mildly. Yeah, we're going to pay for this nonsense. And it's not going to be the Sakis of the world that pay. Yeah, they may see a little bit of a raise or the, or the amount of money that they spend. No, it's the average American, the 50 or more, or the 50% of this public that is either poor or barely making ends meet. Those are the people that are going to get hit directly with this bill and not necessarily going to be able to cover their expenses. And let me tell you, you know, David is talking about how he he doesn't believe that it's going to be a Republican sweep. And again, I think you and I both see that that's going to happen again, just because if you're going to hate your own party, you're going to either not go out and vote or vote for the other party. Um, And especially, too, since Republicans are going to be I hate the Democrats for what they're doing. You're going to have, you know, but here's here's the other problem. They're going to be slamming the economy stuff. Here's what David needs to, to also realize, too, David is right now, 
The Democrat and the Republican Party, the re- those registered voters, those numbers are dwindling in mass droves. Right now, the biggest party is the independent party because people want to have that option now. People are, are, are taking or are switching the tide. So you have it where these folks, these independent voters now, you know, many of them, oh, I, I voted for Obama in 2012, but then I voted for Trump in 2016. You're now going to have it with this mass body of independent voters Hmm. Politicians, maybe you're going to have to start answering for some of the votes that you have. You even had, um, I believe it was Tom Massey, one of the congressmen saying how and, and pointed this out, all the number of bills that are happening that people are supposed to be voting on and Congress isn't voting on them. They're only doing mock votes on them. These are our, our people that paid that are paid one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year. I want you to think about your constituents or who you vote for. I want you to imagine them the way that I see them here in D.C. because 50 of them live in my building. I would name them all off, but I don't want to give myself away. But 50 of them live in my building. And again, almost daily now I'm seeing AOC drive out in her brand new flipping Tesla. That's I paid for your your your, your Tesla, honey. And she goes out there and acts like she's going to be in with the Amazon workers and all this other stuff, totally blows them off, totally blows the working people off, but then goes to the Met Gala. Oh, I couldn't go to the Amazon thing because of security reasons. Really? Was there security at the Met Gala? Huh? Huh? With with your tax the rich dress? Oh, wow. You're so brave. And then when they win, because they realize they don't have the help of somebody like her, then it's, yay, you guys are doing so good. The only time I'll say, good for you, Crystal Ball, call her ass out. Because these people have no problem leaving you out in the dust, but then when you start winning and you have to do it on your own, they have no problem hitching their wagon to you. Screw them all. I hate them all. Acting as if they had something to do with the fact that you were able to do Mm -hmm. this content. Biden, same thing. Where he's yeah. out there talking about like, oh, the American worker and Amazon, we're coming for, you know, all this other nonsense. And you would have Democrats say, this is the first time I saw a president say that. So what if he said it? You had the PRO Act that Biden could have passed. Biden didn't pass that PRO Act. That's the point that I'm making here. If Biden was running, all of these people were like, oh, you got to put more Democrats in office. You got to put more Democrats in office. Look, if the president of the United States decided I'm going to pass $15 an hour minimum wage. I am going to do something about student loans, $10,000, a paltry amount of $10,000. I am going to get a public option. Yes, I would veto Medicare for all, but yes, I would give you a public option. We're in the middle of a pandemic that makes all the sense in the world. And then he gets into office and this old And mind you, he gets into office and has the House, the Senate, and— And has no capability of getting that stuff accomplished despite having the House and the Senate. The point that I'm making is, did your president flagrantly lie to you? Did he have a plan on getting those things accomplished or was he willing to tell you anything that he needed to tell you just to get your vote? And I suspect it's that part. And let me tell you, Republicans are guilty of it, too. Of course. Trump had happened in 2016. There were certain things that he was going to pass That's right. that he did not. And they want to blame Paul Ryan or whatever. Yeah, this is Trump not a rah-rah had the same for Republicans. Power that Biden did. Trust me. So, again, look at their record. There's a whole website where you can go and see how these people vote. I, I literally, and the, and the other place that it starts too, and they've even talked about it, especially with COVID, is your local elections, your local mayors, your local city council, your local sheriff, all of them. Don't just vote down RR straight down the board or D straight down. Actually look these people up. If you have time, Go ahead, because it's all there online and it's open to the public. Like I told you about my mom when I was talking to her about how much the police chief is making. And she's like, I'll stop it. I'm like, no, this is your money. But uh, we have Louise in Virginia. Louise, 
What's what your comment so that Jamal and I could take a breath? <laughs> <laughs> what's happening, Louise? Well, well, you you and Jamal are a lot more interesting than I am. But uh, I'm calling to uh, emphasize to back up something your mother said a while ago, which you're you're uh, following too, Fan. She she said, "Who on earth is in charge?" If you when you have people on the show and you yourselves, uh, instead, you, if if you could narrow it down and say, so and so is responsible for this, so and so earns this much a year, so and so of the munitions manufacturers have made such and such a profit, uh, names and figures, names and figures, instead of of uh, just saying Biden did this and somebody did that or Blinken, etc. If if you could. Uh, you know, narrow it down. Narrow it down. Yeah, well, and you know who helps narrow some of that stuff down, especially in your local your local towns and cities? Are journalists in, like, your local newspapers. But unfortunately, you only have 1,100 cities now that have their own local paper because they're just not making money. Everything is about clicks, and a lot of them are having to shut down. Yeah. And you have those local reporters that are there that could point some of this stuff out, but... There's no funding for him. Think about how unfortunate that is. I mean, this gets to the whole, like, a problem in structure, right? I mean, ultimately, the newspapers are supposed to be the fourth estate. They're supposed to be the thing that gives the public information in order to hold their government accountable. Because, again, it's a democracy, supposedly a representative government. And legitimacy is conferred through the vote. And the media is the thing that is supposed to say, okay, this is what's going on in your world to give you the, uh, uh, this information for you to make a vote one way or the other. But then you have this kind of weird salacious relationship between that media that's supposed to hold politicians accountable and those politicians in one sense, meaning these people have their own political affiliations that they basically lean towards. Then you have this incestuous relationship between the necessity of money to keep these organizations open while simultaneously having this kind of philosophical ethical commission to go against some of those people at times, especially when those people are doing something that is running afoul of the community. That is their philosophical responsibility. And yet... That all sorts of um, incentives are way wrong in that mm-hmm. relationship. I mean, meaning we can't even keep those newspapers open because those newspapers require money to stay open. And with the web and everything else, you have all of these other things that come in that basically undermine the process. How do you, what, I mean, but what's the option though? I mean, do you have state-based media I mean, in yeah. various states? Would it be like a PBS yeah. or would it be that, you know, these cities and governments put money towards that? But however... Of course, if the they're going to call. If the yeah, city's paying scream. for it, yeah. do you think they're going to cover the corruption going exactly. on? Hell no. Right. So it has to be private. But again, it's just, it's really sad and it's a sad state of affairs. But, you know, I'll start brainstorming some things that maybe, you know, can kind of, you know, but like, for example, like there's, there's a guy that I know in, in El Paso and him and I have gotten into it on Twitter lately with the whole Ukraine stuff. Uh-oh. But he's a great blogger um, out of El Paso, um, Jaime Abathia. And he has a, it's called the Lion Star blog. And he goes after like city council. And he even, I tweeted it out yesterday that there's a city council member. He's the only black one. And he's making $20,000 less than the rest of the, the rest of the city council. Oh, wow. And he had no idea. No idea. And that's the thing. But he, he is... On his own. He has his own blog and he's got his own little ads and stuff, but he's like his own independent journalist in this city. And it's like, that didn't come from the local news. And I was with the local news there. That becomes an ideological thing. And even though the ideological aspect of it is important, I mean, at the end of the day, you need reporters. You need people who are able to go out. You need some level of funding. You need all of these mechanisms if you're going to hold these people accountable. Like for me, I, 
for all of the ire and, and um, berating that I do to mainstream media in the way they report it, I do recognize the value of a New York Times or Washington Post in regards to being able to get those massive stories. I just hate the fact when they're just using that stuff as a propaganda tool. But all things being equal, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting problem to have, especially from the standpoint of local media and being able to have that local media sufficiently cover the things that are taking place in state to inform the various people. The incentives are just so wrong. Louise in Virginia, thank you so much for the call. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, rumble.com slash fault lines we're, com- we're up uh, next playing who got cancelled some of them I'm for some of them I'm against Uh-oh. we'll see if Jamal can guess and see what he feels about it uh, rumble.com slash fault lines we're back in two fault lines fault lines Welcome back to Fault Lines on Radio Sputnik. My name is Jamal Thomas. I'm joined with my lovely co-host, Farron Frontek, coming to you live out of our station in Washington, D.C. And we are playing a new game, Who Got Canceled? Yeah, but before we do, we want to take the uh, Daniel's call in San Antonio. Daniel down in San Antonio from the great state of Texas. What's going on, my man? Well, today I'm in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm liking the high gas prices because traffic is moving around here. I want to point out the fact that... um, in Indianapolis, it was a Republican mayor that started the uh, protected bicycle lane network that everyone in Indianapolis enjoys. And I have noticed that it is better to drive through than the other city, which is comparable, which is Columbus, Ohio, in San Antonio, where I live back in 2014. A, a Democrat mayor... You know his name, Julian Castro. Yeah. He's there in the city council. Said, nope, voted to remove the South Florida's bicycle lane. Wow, that's going against going green. Hmm. Yeah, I am angry because he, this man started the culture, the anti-bicycle lane culture, that led to my friend's death, Tito Bradshaw. Wait, explain that. What do you mean that? No, it's, it's, where, it's where the bicycle lanes are protected. And, and, and cars can't go in them. No, no, I understand that part. Uh, you're saying that he caused the death of one of your friends? No, no, no. The, the fact that he removed the safety measures. Oh, I see. His friend died. Go on, Daniel. Yeah. This was a bicycle lane. What it needs to be, it improved traffic flow. It improved safety. But he decided to, uh, just like you heard with that comedian a few years back, um, at late night about the bicycle lanes in Coronado being graffiti. He agreed with all those Karens, all those Hispanic Karens, my add you, I've got to be racist here, um, to remove the bike lane. And so, you know what, that's, that's, that shows how, you know, if they get enough political pressure from a group or if, let's say, they're paying them off, that's what happens. What was his reason for removing the bike lanes? I've heard people make arguments against the bike lanes, especially from the standpoint of low-income communities. But what was his rationale for it? I didn't really remember. All I remember is the old crazy cat lady saying it was more dangerous when the data clearly showed otherwise. Well, yeah. If you have a lane that's protected for people to ride their bicycle, I think it creates an incentive for people to ride bicycles. And, you know, if you're in, let's say, Europe, Especially somewhere like Amsterdam. You have the bicycle lanes all over the place. I mean, like bicycle theft is being one of the main things. I guess my point is, I think we should incentivize bicycles, that type of stuff, especially in the context of cities. Um, But look, I I, I appreciate your call, man. Thank you for um, this call, Daniel. 
I wanted to say one more thing. I don't see any Republicans being for bike lanes like I did the mayor of Indianapolis like 10 years ago. No, I haven't heard anybody bring that up one way or the other. To be honest. Call her like, hey, you're going to vote Democrat, right? Well, uh, I don't have any incentive to vote Democrat, and I clearly don't have any incentive to vote Republican. Same here. That's where I am too, Daniel. Daniel, thank you for this. Look, I made a tweet yesterday that got um, a bit of attention. I basically made a point of saying I could be wrong. I said um, maybe Biden wasn't the right choice. And I didn't vote for Biden one way or the other. I guess my point is Democrats need to lose and lose badly. And I got this iteration of the party. These guys are less than useless. And so it's like I get there will be economic consequences. I get there will be consequences for the population itself. But until these guys start to represent the interests of the various constituencies, then what is the point of putting them in office? And mind you, the same thing happened from Bush to Obama. People were fed up with Republicans. And they just went to the other side. And they went to the other side. So we've seen it all in history. All right. It is time to play Who Got Canceled? Let's throw that music bed down there, Uncle Andre. Drop it. The first one. She was canceled for shoplifting, so she grabbed a role on Stranger Things. She was canceled for shoplifting. Is this the the girl who is the main character that has the powers? No. Winona Ryder. Yes. <laughs> I've never watched Stranger Things. How you went from that to the other one? I was like, I, I, okay. I was, in my head, I was like, okay, who's caught shoplifting? Bobby is a little girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. All right. He was canceled for exposing Hollywood pedophilia. He was canceled for exposing it? Mm-hmm. Because oh he man! Was, he was abused himself, along with a number of his friends. Was it the writer that wrote that book? Um, he's an that, actor. He's an actor. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't know this one. He exposed it, and yet he was canceled for exposing it. I don't know this one. Corey Feldman. Oh, I remember him. Lost Boys, right? What he used to be in the movie Lost Boys. I remember him. Corey Feldman was a big, big name back. Oh man, this yep. is exposing my age. Yep, and he also accused Kevin Spacey, as uh, Daddy Jack just told me. She was canceled for having the viral song Friday at the age of 13. Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. No clue. I, I, like, Rebecca Black. I have no idea who that, that is. Uh-uh. She was like 13 and she wanted to like have a music video and her parents took her to this place. Uh-huh. And- like a production company. And yeah, the poor girl was canceled. Why was she canceled for it? What was the problem with it? Because it was like, it was viral and it was just kind of a dumb song and people like made fun of her. Uh, It was actually really sad. That's a cancellation that I didn't agree with. And there was a lot of like bullying and I don't She's come out now as like a young woman and she's beautiful. So just because she did a video called Friday and it went viral, people started attacking her for it. Yeah, just bullying her. Yeah. But there wasn't any, like it wasn't sexually explicit. It wasn't trying to get Nazis. It wasn't any of that. It was cheesy. But people made fun of her for it, yeah. Huh, yeah, that's that's. All right, so this guy got canceled after a picture surfaced of him pretending to grab a soldier's breasts. He resigned following his cancellation. Oh, he's a congressman. He wrote Senator. the book, Li- like, thank you, Liar, Liars, and the Al Franken. Yep. That book, Lying Liars and the Liar, Liars. That they- oh, that's a great book. <laughs> great book. I've heard of it. Um, all right. This man was canceled after masturbating publicly in an adult theater. Joe Biden. <laughs> no, not Joe Biden. Um, all right. Um, I, I, he, he fought, master- you made a baby. Right. <laughs> right. That's why Obama didn't want him to touch him. No, 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 um, no that's the person. Oh, um, man. So he got caught masturbating. Welcome. In a- 
Oh, Pee Wee Herman. That's yes. right. That's right. I remember that. I remember the fact that. that I had to do that impersonation. Right. I forgot. <laughs> Pee Wee touching his little Pee Wee in the uh, public. Yeah. All right. This this guy was canceled after he talked about an awkward bad date during his stand up routine. Louis C.K. Nope. That he, he didn't talk about a bad. Oh, that I wasn't, wasn't a bad sure. Date. I, was, I was guessing on that one. Um. A stand-up routine. He talked about a bad date, and he got canceled for talking about the yeah. bad date. Particularly that there was oral sex involved, and that, um, yeah. I don't know this one. You gotta have to tell me the story. Aziz Ansari. Okay, I know. Or, uh, to, I know, or known okay. after that as Aziz. I'm sorry. So when did he? So how? Okay, so this was like just a very lewd joke. It was. Him. It was consensual, but uh. the fact that he had like talked about it, and then after the girl like regretted it. But even though it was consensual, and he's uh, the one that got canceled. Yeah. Why did he? Yeah to, yeah. to me, I'm always very leery of bringing stuff like that up where you're bringing in sexual activities with other people. Oh, that's. But comedians, that's kind of what they do. Yeah, no. And but he never want... even mentioned the girl's name. Oh, either, okay. So it's Is not like, you know, but okay. it was the girl that came forward and yeah. Oh. So this guy was canceled after he yelled his excitement with the infamous, yeah! Howard Dean. Yep. He's like, we're going to Virginia. We're going to New York. We're going to Chicago. Yeah, it was that was great. People should exactly. look at that clip because they made him look like he was a lunatic. Howard Dean yep. at that point was going gangbusters. He was actually doing quite well in the polls. And after he did that, they was like, look at this lunatic. Look at this crazy guy. Mm-hmm. Ah! Um, you should check. Hang on. Skip DC. You should check this chat out. The chat is blowing up. We seem to love this segment, apparently. <laughs> well, I'm glad you do. I'm going to try to have one weekly. I was going to do it on Fridays, but... Um, after the one that we did on Monday, it kind of worked out well. So, yeah, this week, yeah. All okay. right. This woman was canceled after allegations that she fostered a toxic workplace environment. Um, Amy Klobuchar. Oh, wait. Maybe I'm thinking uh, She didn't get canceled for it. Those That's were right. rumors. That's this right. woman actually got canceled, was removed, and, and uh, was replaced. Oh, really? Her show. Is this, mm-hmm. Oh, the, Ellen? Yep. Oh, Ellen. Man, I can't believe I know this stuff. All this pop culture. Yeah, I remember that. Ellen, they were saying, which is weird because she has this online persona that is so bubbly and everything else and then you get behind and she's like just terror mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Um, you had this one earlier. Canceled for making several anti-trans comments. Oh yeah. Um, Harry Potter woman. I can't think of her name. J.K. Rowling. Yeah, J.K. Rowling. Name before though. And that was sad. Yeah. That was so sad. It's her, I mean the woman has opinion. yeah that was so sad. This woman was canceled after she was accused of pretending to be Spanish. This one deserved to be canceled. She said she was born in Spain, but she was born in Boston. Uh-huh. She she went on, she went on there and she's like, and then how do you say the word for cucumber? How do you say the word for cucumber? She's married to a Hollywood actor that's under a hell of a lot of allegations after a shooting incident uh-huh. in New Mexico. I don't know this one. Hilaria Baldwin. Oh, I would have never catch this one. Yeah, Wait, Baldwin. Um, Stephen Alec, Baldwin's Alec Baldwin's wife. Really? Yeah. Stephen Baldwin is usually the black sheep of the family. He's like Stephen the, the lesser Baldwin. Stephen Baldwin's daughter is um, married to Justin Bieber. Did not know that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Welcome to pop culture, Jamaro. Wow. Um, let's see other ones that you might know. Let me I've got to be honest. I've done far better on this than I thought it was. Yeah, I kind of thought so, I'm, too. I'm pretty impressed. Pretty um, impressed. This actor was canceled for being a member of an anti-LGBTQ church and his political views. Ooh. Oh, uh, Kelsey Grammer? Uh, no. That was a guess. Um, that was my best guess. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't remember Kelsey Grammer. I'll give, you, I'll give you a hint. Guardians okay. of the Galaxy. Oh, the lead character. The, um... Oh, 
Oh, what is his name? What is his name? He Chris was in the movie with okay. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. But he yeah. said the lead character, so I'll give he you. He was that. in a movie with um, Jennifer. What is her name? And he basically woke her up intentionally. Oh yeah. And people were so angry at him. Was, yeah, Jennifer Lawrence. Thank you. Where he woke her up and people were so angry at him. They was like, how dare you wake her up like that? You basically sentenced her to death. Like they would not let him get past that at all. Yeah, that was this, brutal. This man was uh, canceled after he criticized Meghan Markle and her role in the royal family. Oh, Pierce Robbins. Pierce Morgan. Pierce Morgan. Now, this woman was de- canceled for defending Piers Morgan after his cancellation. <laughs> the canceled, canceled by proxy. Yeah, right. exactly. Um, yeah, I'm not going to know this one. Who def- you would know her. Aussie, Aussie, where are you? Aussie, I, I love Piers Morgan. He's a very good friend of mine. Me and Ozzy Osbourne love him. Oh, Ozzy Osbourne's wife? I Sarah can't her name. Osborne, yes. Really? She got canceled for that? And all she said was is that Piers is a good friend of mine and that I understand what he... She, all she said was, like, I understand his point of view. Because yeah. she said, I'm English and the way that we look at the queen. And she got canceled for that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. They yeah. know the queen is not a real thing, right? I mean, it's a figurehead. Yeah. I yeah. mean, but it's a make believe. She's not, she doesn't, she's not endowed with powers like by God. She's make believe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <She'll say> it. <laughs> it's like they're getting really, you know, animated over something that's not really real. It's like, hey, let's pretend to be kings and queens. Okay, let's do that. All right. This actress was bull, um, was canceled for bullying a number of celebrities, including Courtney Stodden and designer Michael Costello. Oh, I don't know who those people are. I'm not going to get this. Um, Chrissy Teigen. Oh, John I do know who Chrissy wife. Teigen is. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. So she was bullying people, basically. Uh huh. Yeah. And yeah, the bullied finally got bullied back. Interesting. So. Was, is that a cancellation that you would approve of or not? Yeah, because she, she went after people and it's one of those you shouldn't throw stones if you live in a glass house, yeah. honey. So yeah, and plus I just hate Chrissy Teigen. I'm just so annoyed with her. Um, this actress and singer was canceled after calling out a frozen yogurt shop for getting her order wrong. Oh, that's such a diva moment. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's such a diva. Uh-huh. Um... Getting her yogurt wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to get this one. Uh-huh. Debbie Lovato. Really? Yeah. She's like, you guys just don't understand. Like, I've had a really hard day, and then my order's wrong, and everyone... She started crying? Yeah, and then people started, like, writing all these bad reviews on the frozen yogurt shop, and then finally it came and turned around, and people were like, wow, you stupid celebrity. Wait. Like, your order's wrong. She Welcome got, to the world. Her order, her order was wrong, and she goes out and attacks the yoga shop for getting her order wrong. Yep, Demi she Lovato. She has this mega, mega phone as Debbie Lovato. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't do that. Yeah. Shouldn't do that. That's frowned upon. Um, this guy was canceled years later for his actions involved in the Janet Jackson Super Bowl performance and his treatment of Britney Spears following their breakup in 2002. Justin um, Timberlake. I didn't know he was um, canceled for that. I mean, the- no, no, he's been recently canceled. Really? When it all came out about Britney's conservatorship, uh-huh. and then that kind of hit the mainstream, and then they were talking about Janet Jackson. Because Janet what- Jackson was the one that got canceled. What did the cons- even that was weird. It's like, oh, this black woman's breast is too much. And too much. he kind of threw her under the bus. Justin Timberlake did. Yeah, he's like, I didn't, I didn't know that that was planned. She just told me to rip it off. I didn't know her nipple was going to be exposed. He threw her under the bus. Wow. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Oh, now what did Justin have to do with British, Brit- Britney Spears' conservatorship? Um, so he dated Britney. Right. And as everybody knows, and when they split up, he kind of slut shamed her. Did he? Yeah. And not realizing, though, that all of this stuff was going on with her family and what have you. And there were a, a number of people around her at the time that could have kind of 
spoken out for her, but right. they never did because Britney Spears was getting canceled. And it was, and he was basically one of them. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay, yeah. yeah, I remember they were in a relationship. I remember they broke up. I remember there was all of this, I guess, media scrutiny on like a 16-year-old. Um, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Now, this one you might not get, but I this was interesting. And this is one of those, it's interesting. Uh, she was canceled for her film, Music, which follows the life of an autistic teenager, and it was played by a non-autistic actress. I don't know the name of the film. I mean, I don't know the film. Uh, it's called Music. No, that's what I mean. I don't know. but I won't fall. I am titanium. No idea who that is. See ya. Oh, okay. But that's one of those things where... You know, like the trans, like they're talking about the trans movies. Should right. it be a transgender actress that plays it, or you know, that's in this case, the they should have an autistic person to basically play. Yeah, and ah. the last one, she was crit- she was canceled for criticizing the Oscars diversity initiative and for being a Donald Trump supporter. Oh, that's she was in. She was the mom, and look who's talking. Look who's talking. Oh, um, I want to say Sandra Bullock, but I don't know if that's true. Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley. I didn't know she was a Trump supporter. She was. Mm-hmm. Huh. Or I think she still might be, yeah. I didn't even know. I mean, I guess. And the her- craziest one. Uh-oh. This actor was tied to cannibalism and text message receipts proved it. No idea. Army Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> WTF, right? He's kind of a cannibal. Oh, wait, the text messages prove it. Oh, that's disturbing. Yeah. And on that note, <laughs> I want to thank all of you for joining us. And that note, we're canceled. Yeah, right. I want to thank our engineer. I want to thank our producers. I want to thank my awesome co-host, Farron Franzak. That is a great, great who got canceled. Um, Yeah, man, it's a big deal, right? That is an area that we really need to change. And that needs to, <laughs> we have to do some of that. But look, I want to thank all of you guys. You guys have a phenomenal day. My name is Jamal Thomas. Fault Lines, signing off. See you guys tomorrow. May the good news be yours. Have a good one, guys. Fault Lines.